and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast with Matthew Robinson and his gaming group. I am here today for round one, the final episode of round one, the end. We have made it to an end of a round, end of a cycle. This is turn seven of our fi- of our <laughs> of our first round, not our final round. This is it, guys. We out. Thank you very We're much. Done. Thanks for watching, listening. Catch you on a flip flop. Uh, I'm here with Paul Satachit. Paul, did I say your name correctly? Yeah. I know I did because you're my good friend. Oh, thank you, Matt. Yes, uh, here. Hey, guys. Welcome. Uh, thanks for coming. Um, don't make it weird, Paul. What? Uh, why do we call you, Paul, the game breaker? The game breaker. Well, I assume it's because I remind you guys of a of a Valerian steel sword in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, or maybe I remind you of like a like Thor's baby hammer or something like that. Okay. All right. But, uh, usually, uh, I'm, are you like the breaker of chains that, uh, you know, I have been referred to that, you know, but by myself, but, uh, but generally what I do is I try to try to break a game. It's really self-evident. Like I wind up looking, you you enjoy seeing if a game can be broken. Absolutely. Absolutely. That that's, that's my perspective. What do we mean by broken? Well, you know, like I, I'm going to look for like the weaknesses or a flaw or a unintended uh, effect of a game, like a mechanism or something, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to push it. I'm going to push it to the point where Could we say exploit it. Exploit is a good word. Thank it's you. a good word. Uh, I will exploit it uh, to the point where it's obvious that the game is imbalanced or there's something that would be non-fun if people don't address the meta I, I project, you know? Right. And, and, and while I do think you get some sort of twisted enjoyment out of that, I also think you, much like most of our roles, you're not doing it on purpose. It's just, you're naturally, you're very, you're very intelligent. I'm not trying to, uh, blow, blow, uh. but you are, you're, you're a very intelligent person. And I think you quickly can see things that in your mind go, well, that seems very strong. And then you want to find out if you're right. And will really push that, which then can often, and not often, but if the game has a weakness or if the design has, I'm not going to say a flaw, but something that can be exploited, you will naturally find that. I think that's a very true statement. You know, and though I actually do sort of at times like look for it because I'm looking for like a really good balanced game experience. Right. So, so it's I, not your attempt to break it. It's your attempt to find out if this is your holy grail game, maybe. In a way, in a way, and, and which Avalon, you know, winds up being that mm-hmm. right now. But, you know, and I think what I do is I, I kind of prevent things from getting stagnant. Right. You know, I, you know, and, you know, if I'm going to pat myself on the back, I'm, I'd say I kind of create like more interactivity because I'm doing various things that are, are like in people's faces. Like Trey would say things like, you know, I, uh, I like a take that mechanic. Right. Which is, which is true, you know. But I feel like that creates a certain, you know, a, a dynamic that I think our group enjoys. Right. I hope. I hope. That you, you are very social. You, 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 you are, I would call you a, a people person. You like people. You, you, you have some people. I think there's two types of people in this world. There's people who have their batteries recharged by being around other people. And there's people who have their batteries recharged by being alone. I would say you are a recharged by being around other people person. That I think, uh, like a friend of mine calls me like an extrovert, like a like a, what you call it, primal extrovert. Yeah. Basically, this is like the truest form extrovert, you know. And so... So I think that comes into games. I think I say, we, You're the uh, the most sort of contentious member of our group from 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 our listener standpoint. We, I've had people comment or send emails saying like, 
you know, not not in a mean way, but joking, like, I'm really glad I don't have a Paul in my group because that sounds stressful. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, somebody who's always trying to sort of break the game or uh, or, or enjoys watching people sort of table flip. But I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think if we weren't, if we didn't all love each other so much and weren't so close and such close friends that that definitely would not be a great you i wouldn't want to sit at a table with strangers and one of them wants to watch me freak out oh no like i i'm i'm literally the the johnny lawrence of our of our group uh, <laughs> yeah, Cobra Kai. Kid, yeah. yeah exactly and you know but at the same time i'm the person who is more than likely to just say hey i think there's a better move for you here you should have done this perhaps and yeah. even, even if it's against my own mm-hmm. like you know play yeah and uh like like i'm I view myself kind of like the chaotic neutral member of our group. I'm like, you know, I'm might save your life. I might you're steal definitely, your purse. You're definitely chaotic neutral. If yeah. I had to give you a DND, <laughs> like yeah. uh, I, I'm the Deadpool. I mean, I'm without the powers mm-hmm. and just more like the the mouth and the mindset. I think. <laughs> yeah, you do look ugly and burned. Woo! Oh. Zing zing zing! Um, <laughs> we <laughs> people's ears just exploded. We uh, have a cool announcement today. It is the end of of our first round. And we are going to have a contest. I don't know if we're going to do this at the end of every round, but I want to celebrate the end of this round. I want to do something special. I want to reward those who have listened while uh, at the same time giving some sort of fun interactivity to our podcast. So this is the contest. First of all, the contest will run from May 13th, the day this podcast goes live, and it will end. End, I tell you. End, he tells you. At midnight on May 22nd. Okay, that gives you 10 days to do this contest. And what is this contest? Well, it's quite simple. All you need to do is email me at Matthew at GameBrainPod.com. But you can't just email me and say hi. What I need from you is a little bit of a little bit of work, a little bit of elbow grease, a little bit of creativity, a little bit of magic. All I want you to do is the same thing that I have been doing for eight episodes of this podcast, telling you about the people I game with. I want you to tell us something about the people you game with, whether you want to write me something, whether you want to record something on your phone, a little audio recording, a video recording, interpretive dance, whether you want to make a song, whether you want to write a poem, whether you want to draw a picture, I don't care what it is. I just want to, to, to understand something about your gaming group. I want you to share. I've been sharing my passion with the people I love gaming with. I want you to tell me about the people you game with. If you're a solo gamer, write a love letter to yourself. Oh, uh, that's so sweet. If you game exclusively with your spouse, tell me about your spouse. If you game exclusively with a large group of people, tell me about that. If you wish you had a game group, draw me a picture of your ideal game group. <laughs> uh, I, I'm leaving this totally open. I, I basically just want... I want a little bit of more than just a wild raffle. So, it, you know, I want you guys to send me in something, letting me know about the people you game with. I want to feel that passion. I want to know what you love about your group. And you can express it literally in any way you want. I'm not limiting it to anything as long as it can be emailed to me. And potentially, just so you know, if you're emailing it to me, I you're giving me permission to post it on uh, our Facebook group or talk about it on the podcast or if it's audio or video, play it. So just know that if you're sending it to me, you're giving me the rights to play it elsewhere. So don't send me something that you're embarrassed about uh, or don't want seen publicly. Um, and what are you going to win? Well, the group of eight of us are going to look at all these submissions and we're going to pick our three favorite ones. What are you going to get if you win, if you are chosen? I'm going to call your local friendly game store. Okay. Whatever shop you go to, whatever your board game store is, I'm going to call them up. And I'm going to give you a $100 
gift certificate to that place. Wow, money? I'm going to give, well, money to only be spent at a game <laughs> store. I, uh, I love supporting local game stores. I want to help other people support them. I want to support them by just calling them up and saying, hey, here's a $100 bar tab in this person's name. Next time they come in, they can spend 100 bucks worth of stuff on games. I'm going to do that for three people. If you live in another country, that's cool. I'll call up your game store in whatever country you're in, and hopefully they speak English. And if they don't, might need a little help from you. Uh, but we'll figure it out. If you don't live anywhere near a game store, if you live in the middle of nowhere, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an Amazon gift certificate, but I'd prefer not to. I would really like to support local game shops. I would encourage you to do that. And maybe this is a way to get you into a game store you've never been into either. If you don't even know where one is near you, maybe we'll find one together. So from May 13th to May 22nd, Call, uh, sorry, call, email me something about your game group. Again, creativity is going to win here. The three, I mean, who knows? Look, I think you've learned enough about us at this point. You can game the system. What kind nice. of thing do you think the eight of us will respond to? You can break the system. Yeah. Everybody's going to get one vote in our group. And then the, the three that gets the most votes, they're going to win $100 gift certificate to their favorite friendly local game store. Um, and that is the contest. I, I would just ask if you enter in the contest, please subscribe to our podcast if you don't. <laughs> uh, feel free to tell anybody you want about the podcast, uh, about the contest. Anybody can enter. Um, I just ask if you are entering, you know, subscribe to our podcast. Maybe tell some people about it. We hope you're enjoying it. We'd love to get more listeners. Um, I'm amazed by the outpouring we've had of listeners. We have a great, for only having eight episodes, we have a lot more people listening than I thought we would for a, you know, board game podcast. So um, I'm excited to keep this going. There's going to be many more rounds and uh, think of this little contest as a thank you for listening. Silence from Paul. Just just dead silence on the other end of the table. Uh, Paul, do not enter into this contest. Okay. You cannot win. Uh, I say that to everybody in our group. You cannot win, guys. Sorry. Uh, Except for Dimitri. I would like to see what Dimitri puts in. <laughs> <laughs> but if you just drew eight people that are not us. And he's like, that's my ideal group. Wish it wasn't somebody else. Uh, let's get into this week's game night. Well, we played a uh, what I'm going to call... Packs and quacks. No, I'm going to call it quacks and packs, actually. That is the correct order of it. So, uh, I, I call it packs attack. Packs attack. Quacks and packs. I give everyone out here the quacks and packs challenge. I, I, I challenge you in one game night to play quacks of Quedlinburg and packs renaissance back to back. It is a strange combination of games. Uh, and I, I can't say I recommend it, but I challenge you to play both back to back. Ice cream and pickles. Ice cream and pickles. Yeah. I'm not sure if two people, if, if a game group has ever played those two games back to back. If you've played those back to back, let me know. I'd love to know if we're not the only ones. So, uh, so Trey, Paul, Alfred, and I played quacks of quedlinburg which spoiler alert is the review game of today and then afterwards we paid, played pax renaissance uh sierra madre uh, phil eklund's uh many would say masterpiece a uh, very complicated game one of my least favorite games to teach uh <laughs> <laughs> and I, it showed <laughs> I, I pride myself on a very good teacher of games and this game is a beast uh tom jesse and dimitri played gaia project uh, which means, yes, we did check off two boxes. We'll get into that in a little we bit. We did it. We did it. Um, it was a fun game night. I think, uh, I don't, I can't say that either Pax or Quacks went over like gangbusters uh, with, I was teaching it for the first time to Alfred and Trey. Uh, I think Alfred was not feeling well and it's a rough game to learn when you're tired and not feeling well. I don't know if Trey, and I think Trey really likes to feel like he can grok a game and gets frustrated if he can't. Not necessarily. I'm not saying, Trey, you have to always grok a game to enjoy it. But I think this is an ungrokable game in your first turn and your first play of it. I think oh, I mean, he won. He did win. He did well. But I, th I think it's uh, I think the game can feel chaotic 
and meaningless and like <laughs> you're just doing things and have no idea why things are happening. And I, I don't even think Trey could tell you why he necessarily mm-hmm. won or feels like he necessarily did anything to do it. We're talking about PAX here. Yeah, we're Quax. talking about PAX Renaissance. Quax yes. is completely the other Quax way. Is completely different. <laughs> uh, but PAX Renaissance, I, I really think is a game that you have to play three or four times in order to even understand how the how, how you can manipulate the cogs of the game. And once you do, I think it's a wonderful, beautiful experience and something I'd recommend to everybody. But it is a ton of work to get this game uh, in your brain in a way where you can actually enjoy it. This was my second time playing uh, yeah. PAX. And I think what I just wound up doing the first time was going like, here's the moves. I'll just, I'm just going to pull these levers. And, yeah. and uh, the second time I go like, oh, this one lever does this one thing. Yeah. And, and I just accepted that. Mm-hmm. And, and completely, everything is so, it's deep, mm-hmm. but it's a little impenetrable. Right. So like you really just have to, I think five games. I think five games is what it will take yeah. to, really, uh, to really play it. Well, there are, there are five different victory conditions mm-hmm. in the game, five ways to win. Um, and each one of them involves a very different strategy. And one of the fun parts of the game is that, you know, everybody's sort of, fighting for those strategies and 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 you're trying to prevent somebody from getting their victory condition while getting yours um it is a tableau building game where you're creating uh sort of a, a tableau of actions that you can run while at the same time it is a card driven game and there is a unique deck of cards much like terraforming mars so it is uh card knowing the deck is is important now a lot of the cards sort of do similar things so you can kind of bank on if i need this action i'll go find a card that has that action but a lot of them have rule breaking things on them it's going to take a few games to understand that it's nowhere near that like the uh, the the size of a unique deck of terraforming Mars, but it's still it's enough where you you, you want to know at least the the the, the big cards, the cards that are going to like really swing the game, and there are a few of them. The, the thing I really like most about the game is for any given turn, you kind of want three moves, but you're only going to get two. Yeah, that's uh, it. I think you I get think, two actions per turn, and you are always one away from getting what you want. And by the time it comes back to you, that action won't be there anymore. Yeah, so th- I, I think that puts everyone in a very interesting uh, yeah. game space. And turns are fast, I think, which is nice, too. Yeah. What's amazing about this game is it's about as heavy as a game can be. I, I have a hard time thinking of a game that's heavier. Um, I think there are games that are just as heavy. I don't know if... I. I definitely don't own a game that is heavier than Pax Renaissance in terms of the teach, in terms of understanding, in terms of the amount of games you need to play in order to really feel like you're playing it. Uh, and it's in a tiny little box. Yes, it's it, in a it's in a, it's a box smaller than Avalon. What it looks like is some genius, you know, went to the Salvation Army, picked yeah. up a deck of cards, yeah, and drew and a chess piece, piece <laughs> yeah, chess pieces, and they go like, "How can I make a game that's out it. of it?" And I mean, then, and that's what they did. Yeah, it, was, it is a simple, simple. I mean, it's just it's just a big old stack of cards and some chess pieces. That's literally it. It's it's a little ugly, but like they're yeah. coming up with a new. Yeah, uh, we're gonna get in the news. You're gonna hear about a new version of Pax oh, Renaissance. Oh, for you. Uh, we played Quacks, which we're gonna. <laughs> it's not called Quacks. It's called Quacks of Quedlinburg. It is the Kinderspiel des Jahres winner of the year, meaning the the best sort of uh, connoisseur board game of the year, as deemed by uh, that group of people in Germany. And we have played it a bunch of times now. We're going to get into a review of it today. Um, I cannot say that uh, our group loves it. I think it is a little light and chaotic for our group but i think it's also light and chaotic enough and doesn't hide it and it's just like puts its lightness and chaos straight up front so i think if you if you're if you're if you're hoping it's strategic it's your fault <laughs> if, if you're not enjoying it for what it is it's all it's potentially your fault as well because it, it's pretty lighthearted. well like in a way like you know we'll, we'll get to it but like i view it like it's a evolved zombie dice <laughs> and, 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 I, and i think if you like that i think yeah. it's great 
Sure. But we'll get to it. We will get into it as well. Um, we also, at the uh, Tom's Game Night, which we will often talk about the week before when I attend, uh, we played two dueling games of Underwater Cities. Uh, underwater like, this like, Right next to each other, side by side, two games. Tom is is a copy, I had a copy. Uh, We both played, and I think it's an awesome game. It's my first time playing it. I'm really enjoying it. I think there are some things I worry about in terms of uh, chaos levels in it and randomness of card draws and and a potential screwage by the deck for certain people um, and potentially some strategies being stronger than other, but I'm not going to say any of those things after one. I'm just, I note, okay, maybe that, maybe that. This potentially isn't as wonderful as I want it to be, but so far I definitely enjoyed it and I'm excited to play it again. Yeah, I think it, like for me... You were were at Tom's, you played. Yes, uh, and this was my second time playing, uh, and this time I won, last time I lost, uh, both to Tom. And I feel like, for me, that the game is... It's an, it's an amazingly fun game. Yeah. It has all these various things I love. I think it needs a balance pass. I think there are things that are a little over OP, a little uh, underpowered, and but well within the the realm of having fun. Yeah. So I think I think uh, it's a worthwhile game to. Uh, oh, it's definitely worth trying. Yeah, if you can get your hands on it, it's definitely worth trying. And I believe a new printing is coming out of it. It's not the easiest game to get right now. Um, that is our game nights this week. Let's get into the news. It has a little song, and it goes like this. Good evening, Mr. Listen, all of South America, all of Sixth and Crippers and Sea. Let's go to press. The news of the week. Uh, there is some exciting news this week. The first of is a concept called the Pop-Up Gen Con. Now, what is Gen Con? Gen Con is the largest board game convention in America. It takes place in Indianapolis, usually in July or August. Uh, no, is it July? Yeah, it's July. It's July. And um, I have gone many times. It is awesome. And uh, Gen Con is doing an interesting thing that when Gen Con happens... Oh, sorry. It is August 1st to 4th. I was right. It's the end of July. Uh, when Gen Con happens, they're also going to be doing a concurrent mini Gen Con pop-up at local game shops around the country. So if you cannot make it to Gen Con, Gen Con, the company that runs Gen Con, is going to be doing some form of a mini Gen Con at local game stores around the country. I don't necessarily know what that means. They haven't exactly said but they are working right now with game shops all over the country to offer a way to come to that store and experience some form of Gen Con. Some, I would imagine some kind of all-day gaming, maybe some sort of tournament gaming involved in it. Uh, but potentially now there is a way for people to get a Gen Con vibe by not going all the way to Indianapolis and spending a ton of money on a convention. And hotel rooms. And hotel rooms and flights and food uh but yeah gen con is an amazing experience if you're into board games uh i recommend trying it at least once in your life i also recommend going to essen at least once in your life if you can afford it and you love board games it is the the, the mecca of board games do you need to speak german what Just to go essen do you need to speak german you do not at all no not at all because uh, most europeans uh speak more than one language english being one of them usually uh unlike americans who usually just speak one uh pop-up gen con that is an awesome thing clinic Clinic is a game by Albin Viard, who is most known for a game called Tramways and also some great Age of Steam maps. He has a game called Clinic that he designed a while back. And this is a new fancy deluxe edition. Anytime you're going to do a fancy deluxe edition of a Euro, it seems you have to hire the artist Ian O'Toole to do it. He does all of Vital Lacerda's games. And he has done Clinic. It looks gorgeous. Clinic is wildly heavy apparently i mean it is as heavy as heavy as heavy gets is what i'm hearing um which makes me very interested in it i i'm so i feel like i have to stop buying games for a while i've no don't tear. do that matt you can do it i you feel like it. i've been buying way too many kickstarters we'll get into that in a second uh 
so I, I don't know if I can pull the cl- trigger on clinic, but I'm going to, I'm going to look into it a bit more. Anytime I see a game on board game geek that has a weight over four, I just go like, Oh, I, I have to have it. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just love super heavy games. And Alvin Viard has made some of my favorite age of steam maps. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to do some more work on it. Look into it. Uh, I know that, uh, heavy cardboard, which is a great YouTube, uh, and podcast and blog, uh, they are going to be doing a playthrough of it, I believe May 17th to give everybody a look at it while there's still plenty of time to back it on the Kickstarter. So I will definitely be watching that and seeing if it's a game that be speaks it. to me or my group. Oh, you're calling it right now, are you? Um, let's see. Magic the Gather is an interesting article published by the MIT Technology Review, which has deemed Magic the Gathering officially the world's most complex game. What's your gut reaction to that headline? Well, I read that article and it's actually... You know, it, it's it's pretty interesting. It, it, I think it's true. Like, you know, I'm very interested in uh, uh, deterministic games like chess and Go and how, like, AI has really made it themselves unbeatable in that. Yeah. And so this is a Turing test they've sort of used exactly. with. And, and they, they, they're saying this would be more complicated to have a computer be able to beat the best Magic player than it would be to beat the best Go player. Look, I think what they say is, like, they can't guarantee that. Like, right. Know, they can't like, guarantee they could make a, an artificial intelligence that could beat a magic player. Exactly. I, don't you think that just has to do with how many cards there are and like the variables and the deck building and the meta? I think it's like uh, the interaction is what is really hard. The, the, yeah. the sheer number of cards plus the, the way they interact, like it's, it's just beyond computational ability to... Now, do you think that's... Go ahead. Or better say, it might be greater. I think the article says it's greater than our ability to create an algorithm that can simulate that. Do you think that they are correct that Magic the Gathering is the world's most complex game? Or is it just they're only aware of Magic the Gathering as a game? Like, uh, is, the, is Magic the Gathering more complicated than Agricola, uh, than Agricola or Indonesia or, food, I don't know, any splatter game or any very heavy game? Like, uh, I don't know. I wonder if, 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 if it's specific to magic or if it's just like, I don't know, the people who are behind this test just don't know about many other games. I mean, I think uh, when you look at magic, it's a, for all of it, it's a pretty simple game. Like here are, here are a bunch of cards. Yeah. They're going to interact and you're playing against someone. Right. And it's, it's a, it's a unique card game in the sense that there are, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of unique cards in magic over the last 20, 30 years. Absolutely. Uh, and so because it's simple in that regard, like, uh, modeling it seems simple. Yeah. And so in in their modeling of it, I feel like they just haven't found a way to really get the uh, thought process that has to go into creating a, a good deck. Yeah. And I think that's why uh, it can be viewed as a, a like an impossible hard, hard you know, uh, hardest, most complicated game. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, with chess or Go, for example, like the rules are very simple and it's just a matter of brute force. You know, mm-hmm. chess more than Go. Go requires a little bit more abstract, like greater thinking. But they, like Google uh, has has done that with yeah. uh, the AlphaGo. I think that's what they're mm-hmm. called. Totally, that documentary is great. Too, yeah, and, and so that. and so they just haven't had that. You know, the algorithm space. Yeah. I mean, you never know though. Like you know, you could just have AI learning and have them watch like mm-hmm. like. 10 million games and maybe the AI yeah. will, will find a well, way. Well, they're, they're working on it, right? I mean, they're not, they're not giving up, are they? Uh, I, I don't, the article doesn't say, I don't yeah. think they are. Hmm. Well, it'd be interesting. I mean, it'd definitely be fun to have a very challenging AI to play against as a single player magic. I don't know, man. Like I, I've watched Battlestar Galactica and yeah. it's, it's scary. <laughs> let's <laughs> not do it. You're saying let's not open that Pandora's box. Uh, Shards of Infinity, which is a, 
uh, deck-building, fast two-player experience, a two-player sort of attacking deck-building game. Star Realms is a version that people uh, that's quite popular. Shards of Infinity is very similar to Star Realms. It has, a, I think, a more interesting skin, and I think it does a couple of really interesting things. Well, if you've enjoyed Star Realms or those type of games, you can now try Shards of Infinity digitally for $8. Uh, I have tried the app, and it's great. I think it's really fun. It's fast. I enjoy that game. I enjoy it. I probably enjoy it more against a AI or playing online. You can actually play against other people around the world. I enjoy that more than playing face-to-face for a game like this. There's just better face-to-face two-player games I'd rather play. But I recommend checking out Shards of Infinity if you like those type of deck-building games and you want a fast two-player attacking each other deck-building game. Do you think Jake would like that game? Yes, he would actually. I think he would actually very much enjoy that game. I will, that's a good thing. Jake, check out Shards of Infinity. Spend eight bucks. Get it. I think uh, we can play it. We can all play against each other. You want to try it, Paul? I'll play against sure, you. Sure, sure. I have an iPad. Uh, it and it is. It, I think it exists on iOS, and you can play it on your phone. I don't believe it just has to be. It's but if you buy it on one, you can get it on all. Like so, it's a universal kind of eight dollar thing. After Star Trek, I, I don't play any more. You games. don't play any more games. You had a little Star Trek obsession there. Uh, Terraforming Mars turmoil. The Kickstarter is over, but they have opened the pre order for backers. If you missed it, if you heard our Terraforming Mars episode last week and really wanted to try the next expansion and wanted to help in pre ordering it, make sure you get a copy as soon as possible. Go to uh, the Terraforming Mars turmoil Kickstarter. And you can pre-order it there. Uh, Geek Madness. Geek Madness is a thing that happens on Board Geek every year. It is a non-official fan run by a guy named Tony Aykroyd. He runs this thing every single year. And it is basically March Madness board games going up against each other. uh, And the winners are just people who vote. So all you have to do is just anybody who's on Board Geek goes in. And every week you vote. And the winner of this year's was Terraforming Mars. Uh, Not a wild surprise. I think it was the two seed. I mean, they really run it sort of like a March Madness thing. What was one? Uh, what's that? No, it, it, it at the beginning, it was the two seed. Oh, the one seed, it was, it beat Castles of Burgundy, I believe, which is one every year for a while. Oh, wow. Um, so usually these are is popularity contests, of sure, course, sure, don't sure. actually mean anything. But it's interesting to see sort of a heavier game, mm-hmm. Terra from Mars, I would not call a light game, uh, taking the top spot of the 2019 Geek Madness tournament. If you Google... Board Game Geek, Geek Madness Tournament, you can subscribe to it, and every year when it restarts, you'll get a little notification and you can be involved. It's fun. I voted all the way through, um, and it's fun to sort of basically go like, I want my game to win. I love that game, and you know, follow along at home. Well, it's interesting because like, I think I'm, I might be alone in this, but I think I'm the only person in our group who actually thinks like Terraforming Mars is like, meh. Yeah, you don't love it. And, and I'm the aerospace engineer. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Paul is a rocket scientist. <laughs> why? <laughs> literally, why don't you like Terraforming Mars? Or why don't you love Terraforming Mars? I think for all of it, I think it has to do with my my game playing style. And I think uh, you're kind of just, there isn't as much interactivity with each other. That You feel it's a bit multiplayer solitaire. A little bit. For, for, for me, like there are, there are definitely aspects where you, you, know, you can take that, like there's a comet or... But you enjoy engine builders. I do enjoy engine builders. To me, but, this is sort of the, the the king of the engine builders. But you know that is not my primary uh, enjoyment in the game. Like mm-hmm. I, I have the ability to build engines, and I understand. But like if we all just made engines, it's just a form of racing. Like you know, hey, let's who make the fastest engine, and, and mm-hmm. boom. Whereas I prefer a more wrestling, like roughhousing kind of uh, interaction in my. So you are you a little bored when you're playing it? 
I can be. It, it really, it really, you know. I, and it's not a short game. So if you're not loving it, you are you are in there for three hours. I do love it with Prelude. Uh, not love it with Prelude. I, I feel Prelude makes it. Uh, yeah, that's the expansion that adds uh, asymmetrical starts. And and the reason why I like it is because we have everyone has a certain direction, right? And and that gives a certain more interactivity. Whereas, but, but that's just you know that's just my personal preference. Totally. No, it's interesting. It's good to know that that you know. It's not for everybody in our group. Mm-hmm. I think most people enjoy it. But yeah, you're definitely someone that I know uh, if we're going to be playing terraforming, I'll, you'll, you'll probably play the other game that night. <laughs> Last bit of news, Phil Eklund, who we've talked about, the designer of PAX Renaissance and a lot of games that start with the word PAX, has announced a PAX Renaissance Collector's Edition. They did this with PAX Porfiriana. They did this recently. Cole Worley did this with PAX, second, uh, PAX Pamir, the second edition, which is coming out soon. And these are sort of deluxified versions. Now, I already own the game. There's nothing special about it for me other than the fact that it will be, instead of card, that you have cards that actually create a map on the board. Now it's going to actually be a board. So it's going to look more like a board game. But the nice thing I'm excited about is there is an expansion for PAX Renaissance that is wildly out of print and so expensive. It's like $100 for literally 60 cards or something it's 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 an amount of money for an amount of components ratio that makes you feel i don't care how rich you are you just can't you just feel too bad you're just like i can't i can't do that it's just, it's it's uh, too embarrassing to spend that much money for so little stuff uh so this will be this expansion will now be a part of that so it's even it, it, you know i i will be in because i'm sure it'll be i mean the their games aren't necessarily all that cheap it's probably gonna be 60 dollars. i think that's what the packs uh porfiriana collector's edition was mm. was about 60 bucks so you know that's half the price of the expansion right now and it'll be a, a nice deluxified version i love the game enough that i will be getting it so he thinks sometime in 2020 he hasn't actually announced a way to pre-order anything but he in a post on board game geek said that they are planning for a 2020 release so it sounds like you're going to be uh selling your copy in 2020 yeah or i don't know i like my copy i've uh sort of uh you know geeked it out a little bit and uh i've sleeved all my cards on nice and i got my little baggies in place and i got my little player aids that i laminated it's your little baby yeah it's my little baby my little baby packs packs and quacks uh <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about games on the brain these are games that we are interested in this week or thinking about i guess the game that kind of uh took me by surprise this week was anachrony so anachrony was on kickstarter last week for a new expansion called fractures of time and i've always heard a lot of things about anachrony i know a lot of people love it it looks like a very blinged out beautiful mini game which at first just makes me go not super into mini games usually i'm I'm a bit suspect Mm -hmm. when i see a kickstarter that has a lot of beautiful chunky miniatures because i usually go what are they hiding? <laughs> Usually makes me think that the design might be lacking a little bit if they need to be giving me so all of these the plastic bling. monsters and zombies and stuff. So I, I not necessarily means it's a bad game, but I'm not one of those people who is excited because of the minis. In fact, it often makes me go, oh, there's not a game here. This is going to suck, isn't it? So I, I think I had a little bit of prejudgment towards anachrony towards that because people said it was a heavy Euro. But then I see all these minis and I go, well, the people that are saying that probably don't play a lot of heavy Euros. But I, the, I looked into it a bit because they had a package on the Kickstarter where you could get everything. So the past, the base game, the expansions, all of that stuff's out of print and hard to get. It is wildly gorgeous. I mean, I cannot pretend it's not a gorgeous game. But I watched a playthrough of it, and it looks like a really solid, interesting worker placement with a time travel mechanic. So you, so it is a worker placement game all about time travel. And what I loved is 
you can ask for resources from yourself in the future. But if you do not pay yourself back in the future, bad things start happening to you and you glitch. Paradox. You can glitch the matrix. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And like dangerous bad things can start happening to you. Timey wimey. Yeah. And so there's, you can start, you can time travel your worker to have not been where he was and go somewhere else, but you have to like, risk this dangerous thing to do it because he could get like trapped in a paradox oh that's so awesome you, yeah so there's a lot of like okay it's worker placement but think of every time travel paradox you can do it like if you if you don't have the resources for mm-hmm. this action leave a note for yourself saying to, to send it to you and then you instantly get it you literally just say i want this and you can take it but you have to create a paradox in the future where if you do not pay yourself back for this bad things will happen so it's I, that to me i was instantly like oh that's really fun yeah i don't think i've ever heard of a time travel theme board game exactly exactly so yeah. I, I it was enough where i was like and it's heavy and it's pretty chunky and complicated and i i'm in with that and it's beautiful so i don't own i don't own any like wildly thematic euros uh, you know, and so this to me scratched that itch. So I caved. I got it. I got the whole big box. Uh, I'll there see, you go. Yeah, I'll get that in nine years. Who knows? I have to now, <laughs> now totally forget about it. I got a game called Tiny Towns in this week. That is a new sort of hot light. I'd say it's a light game. Um, and I played it last night with my wife and my brother-in-law. And they both enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. That is not, not something that happens very often. My brother-in-law does like games, but my wife is lukewarm on most games she's usually she was very tired well she has a baby and she has she has a baby and she's growing a baby and she uh, works very hard so she's usually (laughs) tired at the end of the day and the last thing she wants to do is melt her brain but this is a sort of a tetris spatial puzzle type game where uh it's very fast We, we played two games in a row i think each one took 25 minutes 30 minutes it's fast it's fun if and it's one of those things where if you want to turn your brain on there is a lot of depth to it in terms of the strategy but if you want to just build a nice little tiny town and relax you can totally do that too and not worry about what anybody else is doing so uh check out tiny towns it just came out this week you can get it anywhere starting on may 10th which is already passed if you're listening to this um and i think it's gonna be a pretty big hit in the board game world awesome awesome uh what else i i still want to give co2 second uh second chance ago i i don't know I, I i read the rules a few weeks ago and then i brought it to the table and we were going to play it with paul and trey and dimitri and then we played lord of the rings instead because i just was like i don't love co-op games i just mm. don't i mean what's funny is that lord of the rings is a co-op game yes, but yes. but we're fighting against an ai uh you know or an ai <laughs> definitely not fighting against an AI. we're fighting against you know a, a computerized dm and i know in co2 you're still fighting against them but it's just i don't know I just have, I have a little bit of a block with co-ops. I don't love the feeling of sitting with my friends and all working out a puzzle together. Well, you know, like CO2 is a, a semi-co-op and I assume that second chance is. Well, I think the semi-co-op version of it isn't necessarily all that exciting to me either okay. because the way it's designed over 50% of the time, everyone will lose, well, which I mean, is a wonderful metaphor for global warming uh, and, sh- and, and should be <laughs> as scary as it is. But I don't know if I want to, like, apparently from what I've sussed out, 50% of the time, at least, everyone at the table will lose the game no matter what, even if they do everything, because there is a certain way the cards can come out where if you just looked at it at the beginning of the game, you'd go, oh, it doesn't matter what we do, it's a guaranteed loss. There are guaranteed losses. And to me, that's, and the designer has said, like, that's how I designed it. I, I mm-hmm. like that. That's that, that. I want that tension there. 
Um, but to me, three-hour game, that's a guaranteed loss from turn one. Just The I commitment. Can't, I can't get excited about like, that. I, I personally, like this, uh, I, I will almost but always. But that's in the semi-competitive version. Yeah. Like, like, uh, for me, like I will almost always never want to play CO2 just because like semi-cooperative is, it, it hits it's my. It's tough for you. It's a trigger. It is for you because you know that you can, if you're not going to win, you have a hard time convincing yourself not to destroy everything around you not because you're a competitive jerk but because it's just sort of your play style like also not to give people more than you get in when you play exactly with with co2 i like i feel like you win by saying that you're gonna you know cooperate but like whatever you can eke out a little bit more than the other person that's gonna accumulate over the the rounds and co2 is a a vtol asserta game we love vtol asserta games we i own every vtol asserta game i you know from the gallerist to venos uh to lisboa Mm -hmm. to food uh not food magnet (laughs) to um kanban sure i we we could not love him more and so every game is an auto buy he had on mars on kickstarter last week but this is not a normal Vital Lacerda oh, game. Not at this all, is not a strange all. beast. Uh, I believe it was his one of his first designs, if not his first design. And so now this is his sort of okay. I've been designing games for ten years now. Let me go back and look at one of my earlier designs and and fix it as if you know, knowing all the things sure, I know sure. now. So mm. I think, and he's even said that this is best as a co op, mm. and that's sort of this new version. He this new version he designed as a co op, and I think the last version is probably better as competitive multiplayer. Uh, or semi co op, so I don't know. I'm, I'm I still want to try it. A very heavy co op game is is intriguing to me. I'm just having a hard time finding. No, way I hear. To get it. I hear. Uh, let's update on the eight by eight challenge. Well, we we checked off two boxes. Let's see how we did this round. I'm going to go ahead and pull up gamebraidpod.com, the main website of our group. If you go to about the show, you can follow along on our eight by eight challenge and see how we're doing. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So we checked. Almost one box per episode. It's mm. pretty good. We have seven out of 64 done. Sure, sure, sure. If we stay at this, well, you know, in about eight rounds, we'll have finished it. Yes. I think potentially a little faster, though. Uh, so, yeah, we did one Pax Renaissance, one Food Chain Magnet, two Gaia Projects, two Avalon, one Great Western Trail. We, the, only th- the three games we have not even tried yet once during this challenge are Concordia, Age of Steam, and Gloomhaven. You'll see sitting next to Paul right there, or Paul will see sitting next to him. <laughs> there is an expansion for Gloomhaven that came out. Now, this expansion, I believe, is just for people who have beaten the game. So that expansion is going to just sit on my shelf for <laughs> 10 years, maybe. But hopefully the 8x8 challenge can help us get through. So I definitely plan on getting Gloomhaven to the table very soon. I need to remind myself how to play, because it's not a, not a light game by any stretch. No. Oh. And if you haven't played it in a year, which I haven't, you need to sit with the rules for a minute and remember how to play. But I, I'm going to do that, maybe do that over the weekend, and maybe we can get and get at the table next week sure like i would be very interested to see trey and tom play this game totally that's that's yeah, why trey I, and tom have never played gloomhaven they both have stated they're interested in playing it but they both have reservations saying it's not their type of game but mm-hmm. i'm but maybe they don't know and I, they I think do. they will i think i think they will have a ceiling to their enjoyment for it but i think of this type of game this will be the one they enjoy more than any of the others but i still think that might be below the threshold of actually wanting to play it yeah i think the the aspect that it's a narrative that you know like here you're not people per yep. say you're you're with the town you know you're, you're i exactly. think that will appeal to the, their storytelling totally yeah no no i mean they're big larpers so i think yep. you know let's let's larp it let's move into our game review of the week we are reviewing quack, 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 quack. the quack 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 quacks <laughs> of quedlinburg quacks of quedlinburg is a one to four player light to light medium sure, game sure. plays in 30 to 45 minutes i think is safe mm-hmm. it is designed by wolfgang warsh who uh 
made the the my favorite right roll and write game called That's Pretty Clever. But he also made a game that our group loves and has played a bunch called The Mind. Did he? Yeah, Paul did well, not know that. I, Wolfgang I love Warsch the mind. Does you, tell us about the mind, Paul. The mind is uh, basically an exercise in telepathy. Yeah, that's basically what it is. <laughs> and so you basically sit with your people, and you get uh, a number of cards, depending on which round you're in. Yep. And it, the, it's either between 1 and 100. And basically, you need to put the cards down in sequential order. But mm-hmm. you can't communicate. You just have to kind of look at each other. You have to make up a form of communication that you are not sure if breaks the rules. No, of the no, game. It, it, it's literally <laughs> telepathy, like you know. <laughs> so there's sort of a the speed at which you put the card down on the table is sure. a form of communication. The the if you're sitting forward or back, if you're crossing your arms, there there is definitely ways of communicating, and it's up to your group to sort of decide what you feel is it's fair. fair. Yeah, it, exactly, and, and so. I really like that game because it, it forces you to really see each other. Like, yeah. You have to really get into rhythm. No, there's a lot of direct eye contact involved mm. in the mind. And if you are made <laughs> uncomfortable by direct eye contact, and I, this is not necessarily a game I'd want to play with strangers, as direct eye contact with strangers might not be my wheelhouse, but direct <laughs> eye contact with close friends of mine, and we both just start giggling uncontrollably the minute we stare deep into each other's eyes, is a good time. Yeah, and, and, and so what's really interesting is like, it seems impossible at first, mm-hmm. but soon you get into your rhythm and then yeah. like in the middle of the rounds, like, you know, like there were like what, 12 rounds or, or some, some number of rounds, but like around round six, someone puts in a little too fast. They go, why did you do yeah. that? You knew I had, it goes, I don't know, Jack. So the, that, <laughs> so the mind is a little bit of a game of probabilities, mm-hmm. which very much is quacks. Quacks is a game of probabilities and statistics and pushing your luck. Uh, let me read you the theme of Quacks or the, the what is it about. So in Quacks of Quedlinburg, players are charlatans or quack doctors. That's where the phrase quack is coming from. Each making their own secret brew by adding ingredients one at a time. Take care with what you add, though, for a pinch too much of this or that will spoil the whole mixture. Each player has their own bag of ingredient chips. During each round, they simultaneously draw chips and add them to the pot. The higher the face value of the drawn chip, the further it is placed in the swirling pattern. Push your luck as far as you can, but if you add too many cherry bombs, your pot explodes. So yeah, you are... I don't know. I, when I was playing the game, I sort of assumed it's alchemist. It's you're, you're making a potion in a big pot. Everybody has a giant cauldron player board with a bubbling mixture inside of it that creates a swirling path in the middle of it. So at the beginning of the game, you place your little mixture droplet in the middle of it. And your goal is to place chips as far out as you can each round and score points. But at the beginning of the game, you start with seven chips let's see four five six seven chips in your bag that you don't want to see and only two that you do but each the one so let's say you so how it works is the beginning of the game you have seven cherry bomb chips they're white chips with numbers on them there are four that say one two that say two one that say three as you're pulling them out of your bag if you go over seven your pop blows up boom boom now you don't lose you're not out of the game you don't get nothing you just get less than everybody else that round and there are some serious consequences to having your pot blow up, but it is not game ending. Uh, your pot will blow up. Your pot will blow up maybe half the rounds, maybe more, <laughs> maybe all the rounds. It's it really up to you. I don't think you could win if your pot blew up every round, but that'd be an interesting thing to try to achieve. I, I will try to break that next Yeah, time. I think you could. If you, there's, there is a version of that. So when you place a chip down, though, the number of it decides how far you place it down along your little swirling path. So if it says four, you count four from whatever your last chip was, and that is how far you will move on the path. Uh, And the farther you get along, the more points that you can score, the more money you will get to buy more chips. Because yes, this is a chip buying 
kind of game. So it has a deck building feel to it. A bag builder. A bag building game like Orléans or uh, Altiplano. So at the end of a round, everybody, everybody, so it's all simultaneous, which is nice. There's no turns. Everybody's reaching their bag. So it's sort of a little multiplayer solitaire here. We're all playing our own little game, pulling chips out of a bag, placing them on the thing. You know, somebody goes, oh, I'm at seven. So if you're at seven, you're fine. But then you have to think about what's left in your bag. So you can never look in your bag, but you can always feel in your bag and see how many chits you have left. And you know exactly how many white chits are in your bag or not because you can see what you have on your board. Then you start doing probability math. So you go, well, there are four chips in my bag that are good and two that are bad. One of them is fine if I pull that bad one, but one of them will bust me. So I have a one out of six chance of this busting. That sounds fine. One out of six is good. Reach in the bag, pull it out. And you bust. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you always pull the one you didn't want to pull. But that is the game. So, you're, But part of it is looking around the table, seeing how far other people have gotten in their swirling path on the pot, and asking yourself if you need to beat them because you are behind in points, you're behind in this, you're behind in that, or asking yourself, can I survive busting this round? Because when you bust, two things happen. One, whoever gets the farthest around on their swirling pot gets to roll a die at the end of the round. That die has only good things on it, ranging from points to new chits to rubies, which are a form of resource in the game. It's good to roll that die. Uh, Whoever gets the farthest along gets some good stuff out of that die. If there are ties, everybody who ties gets to roll that. So whoever gets the farthest gets that. But if you bust, it doesn't matter how far you got. You are not in the running to roll that die. So whoever gets the farthest on the swirling path without busting gets to roll the die. The other main consequence, this is the one that matters more, is usually every round you get to do two things. You score your points for how far you got on the path. So if you look at, at where your last chit was placed on the path, there is a victory point number. You get that many, many points. There is also a resource number on that, on that final space. And that decides how much money you get to spend on new chits. If you bust, you get to do one or the other. You're either scoring points, points or buying chits. If you didn't bust, you get to do both. So at the beginning of the game, the victory points are pretty small because you're not moving very far up the track, so it's okay. But you can't, you really can never not buy chits until maybe the last round because buying new chits is the way that you do better. Without new chits, your board state will never improve. You'll never get farther because the more money you have, the better chits you can buy. So at the beginning of the game, you can only afford maybe ones or twos. But towards the end of the game, you can start, or maybe in the middle of the game, you start affording fours. And every time you pull a four, you're going to move way far down along that path. Now, here's what makes the game interesting, because if it was just numbers, it would be kind of a quick, boring game. Each chit has a power, a game-breaking rule, something awesome it does. And the game has four sets of all of these powers. So there's a huge amount of variability in the game. Um, And you can play each different set, and each different set has different combinations. You're supposed to stick with the set, so each set is numbered one, two, three, four, and every color of chit uh, is supposed to stay within that set. But they say there's an advanced ver- version where you can just mix and match and do whatever you want, although they admit that that n- might not necessarily be a balanced game. Uh, or n- none, of them, none of them will... Uh, usually they sort of all interact with each other sure. in an interesting way, so they, they can't guarantee that will happen. Um, Paul, tell us, uh, tell, what is the experience like of playing Quacks? Uh, I said it earlier, and I, I'll say it again. Like, you know, it reminds me of Zombie Dice. where you What's Zombie Dice that people don't know? Uh, so zombie dice is like you have a bunch of dice mm-hmm. and you're rolling, you're trying to get points and uh, you get too many zombies or one zombie or mm-hmm. uh, you die. You blow sort of like uh, a little Yahtzee-ish, right? Exactly. It's a, it's basically a, a push your luck kind right. of experience. Right. And uh, if you're a gambler like myself, uh, you find that quite enjoyable mm-hmm. or, or harrowing depending on, <laughs> uh, on the situation. Uh, and so I think, 
the game is played best with, you know, the, the advantage of the game is like, it's pretty light. It learned real quick. Uh, you have a bunch of guys play a little Yahtzee or uh, whatever, and you push your luck and you see what you get. And I think that's really fun. Uh, I think if you wind up spending a lot of time trying to game it too mm-hmm. much, like, you know, just like counting and just... Because uh, you could get into the math of it. There's definitely, definitely. There's definitely the correct pull. Usually, right in terms of the the risk reward value and mm-hmm. how many points you're going to get. Um, go ahead, yeah. And, and and so with that, like you know, I think you might lose a bit of the fun. Yeah, because like, this is a, this is a fun forward game. It's not a it's not a skill forward game. Right. So I, I think that is you know if you address it at that level, I think you, you'll have a good time. Right. I, I think if you wind up, I don't know, like you know, like thinking like I'm going to find a way to win. Uh, it might you might lose a little bit. I actually think the way to make the game slightly more fun, and I because I'm a gambler, is mm-hmm. to put money on it. <laughs> well, I, I can't recommend. That I, I, I'm I'm also not recommending that, but I'm just saying, like you know, there's there are little con- there's little consequences for like blowing up. You go, oh, okay, well this this is all right. luck. But if you were to put you know some sort of like stake on it, whether like some skin of, of some sort. Right. I think you'll find that it'll be a different experience. Yeah. I mean, to, uh, I will say I can definitely see the, the higher the stakes in this, the crazier it is to mm-hmm. be pushing your luck and stuff. So for sure. I mean, if you want to, you know, whoever wins gets to pick the next game kind of a thing. Sure. It's always a good uh, risk. So, uh, but to me, what's fun about this is the deck building aspect because when you, during the shopping phase, which it's just like Dominion, if you ever played a deck builder, mm-hmm. the chits you buy really will help sort of build your engine and decide sort of what your what your bag can do and they they will often combo with each other for example there's i mean there's just a very simple one where uh the number on the chit that you place decides how many chits you pull from your bag right now and you get to place one of those so you can now like let's say i put a four down i place that down obviously four spaces after my last spot then I pull four more chits from my bag, and if I see one I like, I can place it. Yeah, that's the OP one. It's very strong. It's very powerful, but it makes you feel like you're you're not totally uh, at the mercy of luck. Sure, sure. That there is a bit of uh, there's also the uh, the the black chits are a sort of an area control or area or majority mm-hmm. control kind of thing because if you have more black chits on your board than the people to your left and right you get things like you get a free ruby. Uh, what do rubies do? At the end of the round, you can spend rubies to move your starting droplet one space forward. And you can do that for every pair of two rubies that you have. Now, that means that you will start farther along on your path every round. So it becomes easier to get farther along the path as the game goes on because you're starting from a farther position. There is also a catch-up mechanism in the game. That's it's actually the, the best part of the, the game, I think. It is. Well, I think. I mean, I, I think they. It's such an. I've never seen such an overt catch-up mechanism sure. before. I mean, if you so, you look at who has the the VP leaders at the end of every round. You you look at your points, and there are little rats drawn on the uh, on the victory track board. And so I guess this is like, you know, rat tails used in like a witch's brew kind of a thing. So you count the rat tails, like literally little rat tails that mm-hmm. rats have that they're crawling around on the board. And you count how many rat tails there are in between the leader and you. And that is how many spaces you get to start ahead of your droplet that round, meaning that you will be starting farther along. Uh, so there's, there's two things. This is one just like this is definitely a win more game. The better you're doing, the better you're going to do because the mm-hmm. more money you're going to have, the farther along, the more victory points you're going to get, all these things. But there's also a... Definitely a way to play this game where 
you are not going to be trying to score points early on and you're instead going to be going for other things and hopefully that you will ramp up and have you know be saving your money and buying big four and you know buying big uh four cost chits instead of a bunch of ones and things like that so the people who in the earlier game can buy two every round can be moving farther along because they have more chits right but if, if the people who maybe be saving up and just getting the fours could potentially by later in the game uh, be moving farther around than everybody else if they're pulling well. Well, you know, uh, uh, Trey kind of gamed it like uh, this last night or uh, yeah. when we played, where he he really tried to stay as far back uh, in the beginning game so that he would be able to use that rat and get that little bump ahead. Mm-hmm. And so what he was able to do was like continually get uh, chits and like move his droplet at the same time because he had so low low VP. He was able to keep on moving, you know, get the bonus, the rat tail uh, thing, yeah. which gave him more money than it would normally because he had that like that extra help. And yeah. so he wound up getting a lot of good chits for for having pretty crappy uh, uh, VP position. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point where he pivoted and then he got it all. Yeah. And, and I thought that was a pretty astute way of, of playing. Yeah. Trey won by a lot. Right? No. Oh, no. Six points. Right. Okay. So, right. So it looked like he was wildly in the lead. But then, in sort of the end, you really were able to sneak up behind him and he still won. Yeah. Handily. Right. But, but it was, but it was closer than we thought in the final score. Um, do you think this is a game that the best player will win at every time? No. No. I think, I think. Do you think this is a game where the best player will win more often? I think as plays go to infinity, uh, you, you, yes. But right. I, I feel like at any given moment, uh, you're really, really, uh, it comes to alignment with you know your higher power. Like you know, if if, the, the, <laughs> if you know if the gods if your of fortune God is stronger than somebody else. That's right. If if you know if, if the gods of fortune like but you. But do you think? I mean, obviously, luck is the most important element of this game. If you could just look in the bag and pick what you want, well, I guess that's the question. If you could just play, if you could just open. look in the bag and play open, is there strategy to the? order in which you buy the chits the t- the chits you're buying buying conversely to what other people are buying is there an optimal strategy i think that would depend on the chits that you're uh, that we are playing the with. set that you're playing exactly with that time. Yeah. uh i feel like when we first played with uh jesse and dimitri right with yeah um we we got this card like you know each beginning of each round you get a, a little uh, event. So, mm-hmm. like, sometimes they'll say, like, get pick a four chit and just put it in your bag, or remove a, a white chit, or whatever. Like, uh, but uh, Jesse, like, we picked the the super OP one that I think where you be able to pick four and then move four and then pick. Yeah, to take a Magic the Gathering term, you, you sort of tutor through your deck for what you want. And and Jesse goes like, I'm going to zag. Yeah, and, uh, and he lost. <laughs> and he, and he lost. Uh, and so I think. There are sets that are going to be. There's a right way to sequence it. There's an optimal sequence. Yes, and so, I, I, yes, and I agree with that. But I, I think I think these sets were designed not about strategy, but around fun. I mean, exactly. a lot of the chits are just fun. When you place them, mm-hmm. cool things happen. A lot of them at the end of the round, for every one you got, you get things. So mm-hmm. there's oh, they're, they're fun. Like when you're buying a chit and putting it in your bag, you're excited to see it because when you place it, something cool happens. Exactly. Like uh, you you pull a you're you pull a chit out. You're like. Yes, yeah, and, and and that yes kind of uh, uh, experience is, is yeah. what I think the game is uh, banking on. Totally, and and so there's times when you have a fifty percent chance of good and bad, and but a lot of chits, 
and in some really good ones in there. And so that experience of reaching into your bag and being like 50% chance I blow up, 50% chance I win is fun. Yeah. And the other way. And, and it's fun in a little kid way. Like in a, you know, it, it definitely taps into a, a, a giddiness that, sure, sure. that is not. Giddy uh, is a good word. I, yeah. I, I think for, for me, like, you know, uh, at least in this last game, what we did that was, was crazy that I thought was also fun, but in the negative way was like, I only have two chits that will blow me up. I have 10 chits in here. Oh, whoops. I, I blew myself up. Like, oh, yeah, the universe doesn't like me today. That's a bad, there's a bad feeling. There's a bad feeling where the odds of you blowing up the very early are very low and it happens. And it, it can be a bit of a checkout moment, I think, unfortunately. It, like, if you have 40 chits in your bag <laughs> and seven bad ones, and the first ones you pull are all the seven bad ones, like, which is possible. totally possible. Yep. Of course it's possible. It's just a bad feeling. It's just a, oh, well, I lost. And mm-hmm. you, you probably did. You probably did lose. Yep. And there's nothing you did, and there's nothing you could have done. And so there's definitely, there can be a feeling of, like, I lost. But you know what? Game will be over probably in about 15, 20 minutes yeah, exactly. at most. So, uh Try to have some fun. Exactly. <laughs> like as far as time investment for f- fun possibility, I think it's pretty high. Yeah, this is not a heavy strategic game. This is not a game that most heavy Euro gamers probably will enjoy more than a few times. But I think I think it's a game most people will enjoy. Yeah, like I think if you know if you if you have a pretty casual game group or an opening game, like you know, like, yeah. like we play on occasion, we'll start with a, a light game and a, mm-hmm. uh, this, this is definitely in that arena. Do you think it, I think it might be a little long for a filler. Like it, it's, it's a super filler in the sense that to me, a filler is less than 30 minutes. I think this is more, I think this is a minimum of 30 minutes. I also think it's a max of an hour, but I think it could be somewhere between 30 minutes. Maybe and an it, hour. It, it'll depend on the teach, right? Like, you know, if, if you don't have to teach it and you just go straight in. True. Maybe, maybe like, you know, teach is pretty fast. Teach is, I could do this teach in five minutes. I think, I think I could get somebody who's never played this before playing it in five minutes. Okay. Um, I mean, the, the, the thing is, I would just say, don't worry so much about memorizing what all the different chits do. Just when we get to the shopping phase by Buy the good I, ones. Buy, buy the good. Yeah, buy what other people are buying or just buy what looks like fun, you know? That's right. Because, you know, there's a little bit of information like there's eight different things to buy on the board right now. What do I buy? You know, but it's your shopping. Just you know, mm-hmm. buy something shiny that looks fun. Shiny. That's a, good, that's a great way of saying yeah, it. Buy it shiny. So I like this game. I think this is, I think this is a game that, that sort of like Tiny Towns that I, I could totally play with my wife. I could play with uh, my in-laws, my parents. I think it's, I think it's a game you could teach non-gamers. And I think, I think there's... There, there's that fun. Everyone around the table is excited and shouting, and oh, I blew up, or da, da. you know. There's, I think that's that's a nice experience, and it's push your luck in a way where a lot of push your luck games can be very simplistic. This has enough game, you know, even if it's the facade of strategy and gamerness. There's enough in there for me where I feel like I'm doing something. The I'm not, facade. I'm not just. I'm not just playing zombie dice. Yeah, I love the, the facade. I love it. I love it. Like I, I too think this game is is good. Uh, I don't know if it's a must buy. But if you're uh, if you like this type of game, I think this is if you're if you're playing if your game group or you like fun games, I yeah. think this is a fun game. I, I would definitely recommend this in the same breath as as Azul or Splendor. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely less strategy than those. It's more, mm-hmm. but I think some people really like that mm-hmm. that take you know to push your luck, gambling, having fun. I mean, the theme is great. The art's beautiful. I really I think it's very colorful on the table. I think all the chits are fun. I think it's tactile. It's fun to reach into your bag and buy things. I think people always love a shopping phase in the game where you're buying more than you had last time. And, oh, I'm excited to put this in my bag and see what happens. Um, I think that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, judge it on its own merits. Don't, 
I would recommend that if you're going to play Quacks of Quedlinburg, that right after you, words you play Pax Renaissance. You must. It's you actually must, a must yeah, now. Yeah, it's Quacks it, of it, Pax. It, it's a, it's a, but I will just say never, ever, under any circumstances, Pax and then Quacks. That's, that's just dangerous. It's, it's wrong. Just it's wrong. don't do it's it. Like you'll blow up. Don't do it. Wolfgang Warsh, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Check it out if it sounds interesting to you. Uh, we can't give it our highest recommendations. I don't think it's going to be my top 10 for the year, but I think it is a game that I, I will keep and play with uh, people who don't necessarily play games. And I think there'll be times we pull it out in our group. I think it, I think it, has, a, it has a place in our, in our game group. Uh, that is our game review for the week. We are now going to, remove, to move on to Paul's weekly specific Game topic, Paul, what do you have for us today? Well, today I'm going to talk about my favorite sushi places in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is a, uh, a, a renowned foodie. He's traveled all over the world. He loves food more than he loves games. Food is, defi- food is, your, bo- food is your board games <laughs> well, in the know, way that board games are my board games. The, the, the way that you and, and Tom and Trey talk about board games, like you know all the you know, designers, I'm yeah. like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, but you're that way with chefs yeah, exactly. or exactly. restaurants like, or Michelin stars or all you yeah. are. A, you, you've traveled to all four corners of the world to eat the best. All food. four of them. Like, yeah. that's right. All uh, four. And, but no, I'm not going to talk about sushi. <laughs> uh, that would be a good, I'd listen to that podcast though. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, I guess the, the, my title of my, uh, my segment is called breaking the wheel. You know, after you guys compared me to Danny and then, to Tyrion and then and then now hot pie (laughs) and and now hot pie now now yes so started to Danny ended as hot pie (laughs) so uh basically I thought I might just talk about my thought process when I you know kind of like break a game or like when I'm in my thought process in doing that is this how to break a game is this a a user's guide to game break there there will be that aspect but like but at no point is are these commandments these are just this is what I do you you can take what in interesting amazing so uh, I think uh, the first thing is you have to ask yourself is why would you want to do this? Like why would why would you try to break a game? And uh, and I think I have a few answers. Like sometimes like you know you want change. Like maybe you're uh, the game that you're playing. You guys are playing in, in sort of a rut. You, you got it's game. become stale. Maybe exactly stagnant is the word I like to use. Uh, uh, another reason might be growth. Like you go oh you know I I want to get better at this, but like you know the way we're playing prevents that precludes that i'm always doing a certain thing mm-hmm. maybe it's time to get away from my typical play style and, or, or you might want to explore some you know some new aspects of it yeah. you know uh for our game game group though I, I feel like we get the most joy and the most fun from figuring out a game you know i, I think we we're all going oh this does this this is it yeah and we love uh, to see the wheels turn and breaking that game uh you know we have to reevaluate what we our assumptions that we've made sure like, uh, like, I don't want to say the bad reason, but you know, the not good reason to break a game is just to cause chaos. Like, you know, you, you don't want to just watch the world burn type thing. You don't. That that's that's generally not fun for a lot of people. It it kind of breaks the spirit of the game, and people get upset. So it can't really be your primary or sole reason for for doing this. Like, you should you should be doing it for the good of the group. Right, and if you enjoy it, then then kudos to you. Mm-hmm. So you know all that. So keeping that in mind, like you know, I the way I look at myself, I feel like there are like three things that I really kind of t- t- consider when I uh, when I want to break a game. Right. 
And the first thing would be to uh, attack a mechanic or uh, a mechanism, as you mm-hmm. know, at Jake would say now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, like the easiest way to look at it is like, oh, what's the OP element, and just push overpowered it. Yeah. exactly, and just push it. Uh, and so, what strategy? What is sort of the the path of least resistance? What seems to be to give the greatest return? And then, what if you just banged on that forever? Yes, yeah, so it, it, it really comes down to this. Uh, effect to cost aspect. Like I'm, I have one move. How much effect does that give me? Uh, and the thing is, we all do this. Like as board gamers, like we are always looking for, like, oh, uh, let's find that great mechanism. Uh, the, the way that my my mind works is like people think, like, oh, here's the thing. How can I win with this game? Uh, with this mechanism, how can I win the game with this mechanism? I look at it and I go, like, here's this great mechanism. How can I solve the game? Yeah. Uh, with this or can the game be solved exactly. and if it can well that's then it deserves to knowing. be solved yeah it deserves yeah. to be solved and so uh so yeah. you're sort of doing what play testers do in a way in a way right this is what so every game designer has hopefully has a a, a play testing group or multiple play testing groups who are stress testing it to see if that's a great if way things for can be broken if things right. can be destroyed and so hopefully by the time it makes it to your table if they've done their job it cannot unless that is on purpose exactly and what I do, you like, say, I don't trust that. You <laughs> <laughs> say, I don't. I, let me see if your process works. I don't trust, yeah, and, and but what I do is like I make it obvious. Like I here, I'm I'm going to try to break this uh, mechanism, and if I win, I I announce it. I go like I won because this is OP. I don't try to well, like, or so, or so it seemed, or, or so it seemed like you know I, uh, I I'll give my un un. I'll, I'll shine a light on it. Right. And I, I won't, the thing that I won't do is I, I won't go like, oh, well, I kind of won. I don't really know how. Mm-hmm. And I, won't, I won't make it small so I can win again. I think that's really kind of cheesy right. that, to do that. You're sort of reviewing the game in a way. In I mean, a way. You're sort of saying like, mm, guys, I th- I th- let's make sure that this is okay if we're going to keep playing this because I don't want to have to do this every time because that's not fun. So is this the only way to win? <laughs> that's exactly it. That's like, kind of like, what you're doing. Like the way that I would do it is like like uh, the example I use. Like we have a a game called Viticulture that we play. Like yeah. it's a wine making game. Yep, Jamie Stegmaier game. Yep. And uh, one of the things that happened once was uh, I got a card. You know, it's a it's the statue, and basically it gives you a point for uh, every time you you ding it. Like you know, once per round you ding it or something like that. Yep. And unlike m- most of the other games that I've played uh, of Viticulture, like I got this round one. Yep. And I go, huh, what if I just build this right now as opposed to, because it's a little expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, build this right now and just and just do that forever and, and see what happens. And, you know, it wound up, you know, we, we don't play with that card anymore. <laughs> really? You took the card out? Yes. I often, so here's my thing. I often feel like we do this a little preemptively in our group. I often think we find something that feels really strong and we have a... A little uh, to me, it, it feels like we rush our opinion of it. Like, oh well, that worked t- once or twice. I don't necessarily always agree that that means that it that it can't be stopped. Exactly. Like, but you know, when OP strategy or mechanic does is like it forces people to play against that. And I think in in euros, like you don't want a you don't want a strategy that's so dominant that like everyone has to play against it or it wins, right? So there are there are some games that that's built around, right? So there's a game called Chaos in the Old, Chaos in the Old World, which mm-hmm. we do not play, but we I did at a certain point, and it's Eric K. Lang game. I think it's my favorite Eric K. Lang game. He also did Blood Rage and things like that. But um, Chaos in the Old World has 
four asymmetrical armies that are all fighting for uh, area control. There is an army called Korn, which is K-H-O-R-N-E. If you know the, the uh, what is it, the Warhammer world, you'll know what that is. They are very strong. And basically, unless all three other factions attack them, they will win. So that, but that is built into the game. So the first few times people play that, everybody goes, "Corn's OP, corn's OP. How do we fix corn?" And people, and the designer, I think, has even said, "Like, no, no, no. it's a, it's sort of a semi-cooperative game. Sure, like, sure. everybody must work together to make sure corn doesn't win, or at least up to a certain point until everybody's engines get strong, and then the great war begins." So, which is you know an interesting, it, it, but I think a lot of people just go like, well, "I don't want to do that every time." But you only have to do it at a certain point. So it's basically like this guy has a much he starts stronger than everybody, mm-hmm. but he ends weaker. So everybody needs to make sure that his strong start doesn't snowball, right? Absolutely, and that becomes part of the game. So sometimes I wonder if that's built into it. So I you know I think there's a certain level of um, you have you know, some you know especially in asymmetrical games you often have somebody with a stronger start and somebody with a stronger ending and. If the str- a person with a stronger start has no, uh, if nobody's, if he has no obstacles in his path or her path, then the person with the slow start will never have enough time, really, because this person will just ha- be way too far ahead by the time their engine kicks in. Well, I, what you, I hear you say that, and I think of Eclipse. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's a, a race in the uh, original... Uh, Planta? Is that what you're saying? No, no. The, mm-hmm. uh, the old empire. The people who start with tons of money. Right, right, right. And uh, tons of resources, but they have no manufacturing. Right. That's it. Once, they're, once they blow their load, they're done. Yeah. And so, I can't remember... The, well, anyway, I, I call them the old empire. because yeah, yeah. Know, the, Anyway, uh, in that situation, like, built into their, uh, to their design is the, the concept of decay. They're, yep. they're going to get worse and worse and worse unless they do some massive uh, infrastructure building. Uh, whereas, like with what's the game you called Chaos in the Old World? Like with that, like you're for like you know in Eclipse, I don't have to play against these you know the old empire yeah. in order for them to get smaller. They, they, there's something in them that will do that themselves. Whereas mm-hmm. what you just described. You know, people have to make the choice. To, right. It's by design, though. I mean, so that's the difference. If it's if it's not by design, then it's, sure. it's not well designed. I think. If, you know. So you know, and so, it's different in a wildly asymmetrical game because if there's like 13 different factions and one of them, if you play with it, everybody has mm-hmm. to tamp them down. That's bad. That's that. I think that's poor design sure. because that's not. If 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 if, if the whole point, of, if there's only four factions and one of them is strong, that's okay because then the part of the game to me becomes dealing with that. But if you know, every once in a while that gets thrown in and now the game's this totally different thing where we have to all like tamp this person down. That To me, that just feels like, well, sure, sure. I just prefer not to play well, with that. And I, I do uh, agree with you that we may actually push the uh, like OP button too soon. Which can happen with, we are very experienced board gamers, mm-hmm. especially, you know, a, a bunch of us have been playing for 20 years. I've been playing for 10 years. I mean, we are very experienced. So I think we have a tendency to think that we got it, that we, that we get it, that, yeah. we, that we've seen it all. And that when we look at a design, we go, Okay, I think we can all quickly see that this is definitely stronger than everything else. And I think we have a tendency to do that a little too quickly. I think we did that way too quickly with Wingspan. I'm not saying it's not imbalanced. I'm, I'm sure. not saying you're wrong. But I think I think we have a tendency to look at one card and see one person kick butt with it and go like, well, that card should be out of the well, game. I, 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 think that's, I, th- I think that's a little, a, a little hubristic. I, I, point taken. Point taken. You know. But, you know, uh, it's my role. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Uh, the second thing I might, you know, consider is I might attack a person's play style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, like you, you play with people long enough, you, you know that what, 
you start to gather what their preferences are. If this was poker, we'd call it table image. Uh, uh, so, like the way I, I make it is uh, the way I see it in my head. It's like it's like Street Fighter Two. Okay, go ahead. I'm like, listening. You have my attention. <laughs> How's the song go? <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, I, ju- uh, I just instantly go to the Mortal Kombat. Dun, 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 yeah, that's dun, dun, what I do dun, too. Uh, so, so, so Street Fighter Two, like you know, so everyone has their own style archetype. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for for example, I I, I look at Jake mm-hmm. and I think Blanca because he's okay. just he's just so raw and just full <laughs> of exuberance. And you're like, oh, it's just like Blanca, you yeah. know, Alfred. Alfred is like dulcome to me mm. because he, he, he has a very odd play style and, and more that it's understated. Right. Like, you know, like he's, he's the person he'll, he'll Jedi mind trick me. Like, yeah. you know, he, there was one time he goes, you know, Paul, please don't do that. Yeah. And I go, okay. And I was, I was winning mm-hmm. and then he won like the right. next, he won and, and, and everyone's going, what the hell did you do, Paul? And I go, like, I don't know. Yoga flame. <laughs> so we, ha- we have a saying in our group that we, if we had a catchphrase, I think this would be our catchphrase. Our catchphrase in this group, which is something that's said at least once a game, that is metagame harder. Metagame harder. That's right. Metagame harder. Tell, explain to me what metagame harder means. What does it mean when we say that? It, 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 you, like it first came out when, uh, when you said it to me, basically saying, well, shut up, Paul, you, you lost. <laughs> And basically, you're either playing, you know, you're either playing the pieces or you're playing the person. Right. And if you and if you didn't win or you didn't uh, get what you wanted, mm-hmm. you didn't play the person hard enough. Right. And so, uh, so yeah, so like, so, uh, so uh, yeah. When we say it, it usually means you could have gotten what you wanted in this game if you had, if you had given a better performance. Yeah. At, it, in your table image, so that that for that that performance can sometimes take the form of. Well, there's a character in co- in Cosmic Encounters called the Sniveller, <laughs> and we often say the Matt Robinson. <laughs> yeah, the, I think he's called the Sniveller or the Whiner. No, the Sniveller. Is the it? Sniveller. But basically, if he says he wants something, you have to give it to him. And so we definitely sometimes I, I say Sniveller when somebody does it, but somebody at the table go like, "Don't, don't, please don't take that move. It ruins my entire game. Please don't do it. I won't have any fun tonight. <laughs> like, just bro, like you don't need that. Just don't. I'm not going to win the game. Just that, that will really ruin my whole game if you do that. And the person and just goes okay fine i won i just go sniveller that's right you did it man <laughs> yeah, met, yeah. <laughs> the, at the end you just go like good metagaming good yeah, metagaming right. good performance buddy mm-hmm. good you got what you wanted well for you, good for you and now you're gonna win the game and we always go like if you win now that's that that's a, yeah that doesn't count that doesn't that's, count. Count. that's right it, it's an asterisk like yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know like like with, with jesse for example jesse i i i see like he's like vega like he okay. had a very oh elect- geez you just made him so feel it's, so good that's uh, exactly who he sees himself as. <laughs> like you know he, it's true he, he has this elaborate kind of uh, uh game game style uh dimitri dimitri i find <laughs> it's pretty interesting because like cause don't, I, don't say e-honda he's e-honda he's steady he's like consistent but you know on occasion when he's really on the roll he'll be balrog he'll he'll, he'll just like, mama said knock you out Ooh. i mean he will just you go, where did that come from? Like, yeah. the, so, uh, Tom, you know, Tom, and Bison? no, Tom's oh, Ryu. Ryu. Tom, oh. Tom is the most balanced of our group. Oh, he's the jack of all trades. Yeah. He, 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 he really just, you know, he, he's, he's fast. He's, you know, he's strong. He has all these, all these tools, uh, you know, yeah. uh, said to him and like, you know, and, and he's, he's kind of the person, the, 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 the archetype of the game. Yeah. Uh, Hold on. I need now. I need to figure out who's left, and I need to. I need to there's, do this. There's Trey, you and me. Okay. Who is Trey in Street Fighter? That is. In, uh, well, who, who? I think I'm Chun Li. I'm guessing. You are. You are correct. I think I'm Chun Li, <laughs> and I think I'm Chun Li because 
I'm I'm just having fun. <laughs> well, he, I, I wrote here free and unrestrained. That's it. Yeah, I'm just bouncing all over the place, mm-hmm. trying different things. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, absolutely. I'm absolutely. just having a good time. I'm exploring the space, exploring the space, which you, is exactly you, you what Charlie does. Uh, the explorer of our group. You, you I am. You are the explorer. I am. I'm the, the, the I'm exploring the space. And also, what's funny is Chun Li has been my character since I was 11 years old <laughs> and the only character I ever play when I play Street Fighter. Matt has an amazing Street Fighter 11-year-old story. Oh, it's the best. Uh, but, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that for yeah, another not, not, not today. All right, who is Trey? Trey, that is very interesting. So I, I don't think Trey is Guile. I mean, Guile, well, I don't know. Guile is a very, uh, he's sort of a meat and potatoes fighter mm-hmm. in the realm of Ryu and that his skill set sure. is simple, but deadly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's a good question. Who else, who else is left? Is Trey and me? And you. Oh, who are you is the real question. Well, let's go Trey first. Okay. I'm going to guess. Hmm. I don't know. I, I guess I'll guess Guile. Okay. It's no, it's no guess. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, that's your opinion. Like sure. uh, Guile's great. Like I said, Saget. The guy. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I said Sagat is because uh, he is like uh, Ken and Ryu, except yeah. he's more specialized. Yes. Okay. Faster. And, uh, and more, more reach. More uh, reach. So I felt like, you know, that really... Interesting. So he, yes, he's Euro-specialized, but, but, but highly dangerous. Yeah. No, uh, he's the second strongest player. Right. Okay. Who, who am I? Come on. Come at me, bro. <sighs> All right. Well, I have to pull up Street Fighter <laughs> 2 characters here, so I'm just making sure... All right, hold on. I'm going to pull up a list of Street Fighter 2 characters. So who's left? I know Guile's left. Uh, or is Cammy in the running? <laughs> Cammy, <laughs> I, think, I think that's in tor- Turbo. Uh, let's see. Balrog. Hmm. Oh, oh, you're Zangief. Uh, you're Zangief. Uh, uh, There's see, no doubt. So okay. you you break the game. You go, <laughs> you go, there is a throw mechanism in this game that no other <laughs> character cares about. And by the way, if you do it, it's undefeatable, and I'm just going to do it forever. Like it's it's because like oh, I, you're so Zangief. It's you're, it's not even. Cl- I mean, you're just. The, I don't even care what your answer is. The answer yeah, is Zangief. No, no, no. You're. I, I see. It. So like, uh, I go. Maybe I'm like Bison because I'm like I, I I come on strong, but if people like you know were able to just know what I'm doing, yeah, they can you stop che- me. You're, you cheese it. You but, are the you are the cheese gamer. But you but, are, you are the guy who just comes up. Stop throwing me, dude! Please stop throwing me. Get up! Stop throwing me! Get up! Stop throwing but me! You, your your words strike so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I I obviously like you know I'm slow. I'm mm-hmm. obvious, and if you don't if you don't address me, you're yeah. gonna lose. And you think blocking is strong. <laughs> He's going to show you blocking is the weakest thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, no. So, you know, so like, so everyone has a play style, and and then you know you you examine that play style, and then yeah. you know you do what the CIA does. You make a character profile, <laughs> sure, and you wind up like deciding, oh, here's here's how I'm going to uh, exploit you know their their uh, play style. For example, like I look at Trey, and Trey for me is like Captain uh, Endgame score. He, yeah. he he really uh, favors those uh, mechanisms that totally not in-game scoring, but he's going to make sure that when the game ends, he has an engine that then explodes yeah, exactly. him in his end-game objective. And, and so he's he, he can be middle of the pack, he can be in the back of the pack, and the end game comes and he just wins. Yeah. And so when I when I see that he's doing that, or when I want to attack him, like what I'll try to do is I'll attack game tempo. Mm-hmm. I'll try to end the game quicker than his engine. Uh, would allow like you know like that, right. that, that, that's my that's how my mindset works and it, you know and, and trey actually can compensate for that but like oftentimes we're playing with dimitri and dimitri also has that tempo attack like yeah. he, he wants to end the game quick so 
that's how I would attack him. With you, like, you know, you your favorite thing to do is kind of explore, to have choices. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try to put you in a situation where you'll be restrained and you'll have no choices. Like when we played, uh, what you call it, uh, Quartermaster that one mm-hmm. time. Quartermaster General, yeah. Yeah, where I just kept... Six-player World War II game. Where I just kept on... I'm going to bomb Matt. My whole action is going to yeah. bomb Matt. I, I got nothing, man. Yeah. Bomb Matt. What do I do? I got nothing. Bomb <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it, 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 I, I enjoy that. Uh, sure. Uh, with Jesse, like, you know, Jesse talked about flow. Uh, and, you know, and with his elaborate play style, like, you know, I feel like he, he creates these unexpected engines mm-hmm. that, uh, that have a big, you know, scoring. But. But in the end, like, you know, I go like, oh, if I really want to play against him, usually there's a, a point where he needs this one thing and I'll deny him that. Yeah. You know, the, the, so I, I'm looking at the things that people need, like, you know, like, I think the hardest person uh, for me to play against, you know, it, Dimitri. No, Dimitri is pretty, you know, straightforward. You just like come at him or, or you let him burn himself. <laughs> it, it, it winds up being Tom again. Okay. So, yeah. the, 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 you know, Ryu, you know, because, uh, and uh, and I, I hate to say this, but I feel like I need to say it. Like like for all of it, every uh, measurable uh, you know like skill or whatever there is, I think Tom is better than me. Mm-hmm. I think Tom has everything. Every, every you can measure that you can measure like whether it be worker placement, understanding of a game. You know he's done it longer, and yeah. and he's a smart dude. It's a combination of that. Like he's probably better than me at all. So the the way that I combat him is like. A certain amount of preparation, mm. like you know, like we were playing uh, Captain Sonar for a while. Like it was a, it, it came. It's a real time team based submarine game. It's dual, even like you know, two yeah. two submarines, and I, I don't know. I, I felt like oh, you're winning and you're enjoying it too much. I want to take this away from you. I mean, <laughs> that's just terrible, right? Well, we often say that you get more enjoyment out of <laughs> snatching someone else's victory than claiming your own. Yes, yes, uh, and, and so I was like, oh, you know, I'm just you know, I haven't played. A captain against him head to head. Yeah. So that was I, a real hunt for Red October moment. Yeah. yeah. And so what I do is I go and I, I get the map, like you know, online, and I go like, hmm, here's this one thing that no one has really considered, and I and I just break it, like you mm. know, I go like, oh, I, and so I basically, you know, you get to move in, uh, in sonar, but every move causes damage. Yeah. And unless you damage everything in the right sequence, like uh, it won't reset. Right. So I found a way to go through the map. And reset every five times. So, like, we're playing, and he's captain, I'm captain. He's doing his normal thing where he's, you know, that has won him. He hadn't mm-hmm. lost at this point. Right. And I go, I'm, like, going, like, one, four, two, four, three, four, stealth, bum, 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 bum. And, like, you know, like, like I, I made 50 moves before, like, you wow. know. And, and then I just stop, and I just stare at him. Yeah. And like you know, he's doesn't know what to do. He has no idea where I am because no right. one could track. It's a, you're hiding from each other in this game, and, yeah. and people are trying to figure out where you are. And it's basically like Battleship with a lot of rules. Yeah, and so and so and so that that was that was a, a time where I, I I just I just beat Tom. Right. But, but I couldn't have beat Tom. Do you get the most satisfaction from beating Tom of anybody in the group? I, he's your brother-in-law. You both are family. Yes, yes. Uh, do I? No, no, I, I wouldn't say that. Like. Yes, I would say you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I do. I do. Uh, but I, I really like it when he pretends it doesn't affect him. That, that that's that's when I go. Oh, I really hurt him. I really hurt him bad this time. <laughs> you're a sick, twisted man. I'm not a good person. I'm, I'm I'm not a nice person. I'm a good person. <laughs> I I'd actually flip those. Maybe. Yeah. 
and so, so basically, yeah, you just you just wind up looking at the way uh, your 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 play group is playing, like you know, like their individual things, and yeah. and you can really. If you really look at them, you could see where they're vulnerable. No, it's true. And yeah, that's fun. There's something fun in that. It's absolutely. not cruel. I mean, you have to all love each other. You have yeah, to all absolutely. be best friends, yeah. which we all are. I mean, we're yeah. all very close. So nobody ever takes anything personally. Well, seriously, 99% of the time people do. There's yeah. sometimes when people get a little, their, their feathers ruffled. But for the most part, nothing that can, ha- it is a safe space. Not, nothing, not, everything that happens at game night stays at game night. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and so with the, with the combination of those two, uh, the last thing that I'll do is I'll tack the meta, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, like the meta is basically the various assumptions and play style, you know, that you've made about the game, right. the things we think are optimal. Uh, and so like I, I, I use this example in martial arts, like, you know, uh, before like ultimate fighting, like, you know, Bruce Lee had come in and he go like karate, karate, you know, Kung Fu, Kung Fu. And then Jeet Kune Do, you know, he, he just changed the, 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 uh, martial arts space. Right. And then uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu came on the stage, and he goes like, oh, you know what? Uh, whenever there's a fight in real life, like 90% of them fall to the ground. Right. And no one's really training that way. And right. uh, in fact, even when they get to the ground, they try to get to the top. Yeah. What if we like, decide to train so that we are deadly on our backs? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and there was no answer to that. Right. I mean, there was no answer that we there was this assumption right because even if you're winning they end up on their backs and then you're losing yeah so th- there was you know this assumption in martial arts that you had to stand in order to to be winning yeah and they they flipped the meta on and on its head but you know truth be told like you know brazilian jiu-jitsu has its own set of assumptions for example are you only fighting one person because like it's fine if you grab one right. person to the ground. Right. But like if there's another guy standing up, you're not in a great position no, no matter how great kick, you are on your back. You kick your head. <laughs> and, and the other thing like uh, that I always like go to is like, oh, you're kind of assuming the guy doesn't have a knife. Sure. You know, because like, oh, well, I'm on your back. I'm going to hug you. Oh, yeah. the guy just grabs a knife. Oh, I don't even have to see what, what I'm stabbing. I'm just yeah. going to like, like prison shank you. And mm-hmm. that's no good. A lot of fighting metaphors in this episode. That's right. That's right. Because uh, cause it's me. Yeah. <laughs> And so, which comes back to stand up fighting again. Yeah. You know, so, so like, you know, like metas don't, there is never really a, a, a meta that will just win. Mm-hmm. It'll just be, be whether you can attack the assumptions or not. Like, like I, I look at Monopoly, for example. Monopoly, we've all played Monopoly. Unfortunately. Well, so, uh, like, and I think we all play going, oh, well, we, when we learn to play, we go, oh, well, you know, I'm going to, Try to get boardwalk and park place. I'm going to build a hotel, and we're, I'm going to. I'm going to. You have no choice in the matter. It's just what you roll. But there's another way to play Monopoly. Okay. Where what you do is like you go, you buy the crappy cheap, yeah. and then and make them very expensive, very fast. No, what you do is you buy houses, but you don't upgrade to hotels. Hmm. And the reason you, you do that is because uh, the number of houses are fixed. So what happens is you buy all the crap. Oh my God, you broke Monopoly, Paul. Why did you do that? You buy all the crappy houses at the, as fast as you can, and, and then you just build all the houses and never upgrade. Paul, why would you do that to people? <laughs> because I'm the game breaker. Are, are, does the rule in Monopoly say that houses are fixed? Fixed? Yes. And, really? Yeah. And this There's is a limited amount. And like, if you there is a world championship Monopoly thing, and this is what they do. Oh, really? They just it's just the people just buy all the houses and, and, they run and, out. and you wind up finding that the purples and the oranges are the most valuable, right. Because you, of the, these, this thing, and you go to jail. When you go to jail, you have to go through this. Th- 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 right, and right. like, 
like green and like you when you get when you play at a high level you want to be in jail yeah so you don't have to pay rent and you get still get rent man you just made me sort of want to watch championship <laughs> level monopoly well, <laughs> and, and you know and in 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 our particular uh game group like that game viticulture that we played with the statue yeah what what i also did like you know to press the meta was like we're making wine. We want to make. Oh, we want to age our wine. Yeah, we want to make the best Chardonnay. You're I was making like, crappy young screw, wine. I was going to screw that. I'm going to get all the victory points that I can. I'm going to do every little thing. I'm only going to make two buck chuck, and I'm just going <laughs> to race to the end. And you know, and at first people were like going, "Huh, I wonder if this is going to work." And by round three, they go like, "Oh, we've already lost." Yeah. Because like it was just the, the engine was just too quick. To that's try, awesome. Uh, so, but we still play viticulture. I mean, we, that's, oh, we like that game. Which well, I, I, I think that's a fun space to explore. Uh, it seems to be a lot of different possible wild strategies you can try in that a- game. Absolutely, you know, uh, and I think one of the things that, like, you know, breaking the meta, like, uh, like experience that we went through mm-hmm. was uh, Tom's uh, bunker LARP. Do you remember that? Yes. So you know, we we, we played it once. And so this was a LARP, a live action role playing experience that Tom created for my bachelor party. Yes, and then has now been doing it because it's a very great. LARP and he's been very successful with it so he takes it to conventions and does it and it's a very fun LARP and the LARP is basically uh, a bunch of people locked in the bunker when the world has ended right the, the, you have to decide who's going to not everyone's going to make it right not everybody who's going to go into, into the, the bunker, bunker when the world ends That's right. right and so what was really great was we played it like at your bachelor party and it was great everyone had a good time it went as according to uh, I think Tom predicted we, we brought it to uh, Strategicon or something. Yeah, local, he, local convention in Los Angeles. And uh, we played it, and he asked us to, to be game masters. or Yeah, just to help. Yeah. Just to not play, but to sort of uh, walk around and answer people's questions and stuff. So we're, we're watching everyone play, and we're just looking at each other and goes, this is boring, right, Matt? Oh, my God. Everyone, this is so dull. I can't believe that nothing's happening. Right. All these, and then, like, half hour before the end, there starts to be assassinations. Yeah, it got <laughs> and Matt, dark. And Matt was going, oh, I'm, I'm triggered, man. <laughs> yeah, some people broke the game in a very disturbing way where it was, they were just sort of taking people outside and executing them. <laughs> like, because there's a limited fixed space in there. And I think somebody realized, it was like, Cal. yeah, Cal realized, who's somebody we play with at Tom sometimes, that he could win if he just used his made up invisible authority in the game to trick people take them outside and execute them <laughs> it was it was graphic like, it was so dark but i was th- like tom this game is dark man make it stop <laughs> and i was going like wow like what a way to break the meta this is not what we what tom intended yeah. but this is this is this yeah it's is like awful. your role is you have like only two people in the whole game had guns i think and nobody knew who had the guns and so he would just be like i need to talk to you outside and the person wouldn't come back <laughs> Remember who the first person died with? It was Jesse. Oh, was it? Oh, that's amazing. Now so, I like it. That's yeah. great. So, so you know, in closing, like, you know, like, like so the, the three things are basically, you know, attack the mechanic, attack the people, attack the meta. Like, you know, and it, it all boils down to this form of, like, stepping back, you know, see what you're doing, see who you're playing with, and just analyze why you're doing these things. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really simple. Like, you know, and the the great thing is if you have a game if you have a game group like yeah. you know you are always creating a meta for your game group it's always yeah. it's always happening like you know like you know and and truth be told I don't actually break games 
I break our, ga- our, our game group's metas. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Like, Sometimes, well, very rarely you break a game and yeah. actually break a game yeah. where it's like, well, this game's not good and we found that out. That, that, ha- we, that happens pretty rarely. Yeah, absolutely. Game designers know what they're doing for the most part. And, and you know, and it's perfectly suited for me because I enjoy it. Like, you know, like I'm always thinking about the meta. Like, like even now, like right now, I'm, I'm thinking about the meta. Like, for example, when we play Avalon, what I've noticed like recently is like, Dimitri starts turning purple and 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 uh, and, uh, and, he and does red. Blush. He yeah, does he, blush. His, he, he's he's lost control of his blush response. Yeah, and so what I've done is like I've gone and made a point to point out every single time we play Evelyn. I pointed out every time we see. Uh, yeah, you're doing it again, Dimitri. Like, just 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 a normal board game, right? And I'm trying to put that into our meta, mm-hmm. and then now Dimitri has an option of either. Uh, not blushing or right. get better or it's it's now part of ours and then then we can flip that right so you know it's a it's, game group would be lucky to have a paul in it uh, I, I, thank I, you matt now thank you you all have to like each other a lot yes absolutely and, but also you're 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 a very conscientious and self-aware person if you were in a group of strangers you never played with before you would not do these things i, I definitely would tone it down you would tone it down and you would play nice because you are a nice person and you understand that this could be off-putting potentially for other people but it's also game designers you should call paul and like <laughs> I'm, not, I'm serious he's a he's an impressive game play tester well, well thank I, I, th- you. I think i i honestly think he 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 has this uh x-men like mutant power to very quickly see strategies that can be exploited um and uh, you know he's great in your group he's going to always he's going to really make sure that you're all on your feet nobody's just you can't have you can't have a game group full of mats who are just sort of exploring and bumping into walls and seeing what happens and trying things and like just having fun seeing the wheels spin you you know you i I, salt yeah I, i need someone in there going like uh, guys, uh, guys, uh, I'm doing this and, uh, you all lost, uh, you guys want to, and everybody goes, oh man, he's okay. Let's all, we, we got to play this game now. And you know, it, it gets tension in the game. It makes it fun. It actually makes you like the game more. And I actually would say so much that it'll, it'll, it makes you like the people more because you're, you're building the shared experience. Like totally. you know, your, your, your meta, your group meta is probably the most precious thing you have. Yep. And, you know, and like tearing it down and rebuilding it, that's what that's what we're here for. We're here to make friends. We're here to have that fellowship. We're have, here, here to, to make the, create lifelong stories that we tell. Exactly. I don't remember times where I've won a game. I yeah. only have memories of times I beat people and the stories around that. <laughs> the time you made someone lose <laughs> or the time somebody beat you in a really exciting Absolutely. way. I love being beaten. I, 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 I don't care about losing, but I love being beaten. Like, mm-hmm. like Alfred, for example, when he beats me, like when he, you know, Jedi mind tricks me, yeah. I'm like, oh, no, you are a very gracious winner. I've never seen you sort of table flip, huff, huff, walk away. I mean, not really anybody in group does that. But, you know, you, you, when you win, you, you usually go like, you like bow at the person. <laughs> You're like, you have, yeah, I, I, I respect you. You have done well. Yes. And, and, and so anyway, those are things to consider. Like maybe you can incorporate that in your uh, game group. Maybe not. Like I would say, you know, in small doses, like, you know, totally. see, see what you, your game group can bear. But totally. I, I, think, I think you'll find it rewarding. Speaking of your game group, I just want to quickly remind everybody about the awesome contest we announced at the beginning of this podcast. Email Matthew at GameBrainPod.com and tell me and tell everybody in our group about the person, people that you game with, whether it is yourself, whether it was with your spouse, your best friend, your son, your daughter, your parents, your large gaming group, the gaming convention you go to every year and the people you look forward to playing there. Tell me something about them. 
do it in your best, most creative way that you think will get us to notice it and love it. We're going to look at all the things. They're all going to get votes. And then if you win and you were chosen by our group, three of people who, who we think did the best or were the most moving. I mean, you know, make me cry, bro. Yeah. No, make, make me Matt, cry. Matt loves to cry. I love to cry. I'm an emotional person. I'm tapped into my emotions. <laughs> I cry easily, which happens when and you often- have young... When you have young children and a pregnant wife, you both become quite emotional and raw to the world. Uh, if you tell me a story about your father who you played games with and he's passed away, I will sob like a baby. Uh, and if you can make me cry because I'm dead on the inside, Paul, like, you, Paul you, you has win. not cried since he was four years old and he fell and scraped his knee. Uh, I don't know if that's actually true, but no, it was when like my dad got hit by a train. <laughs> not true. No, not true. Not true. <laughs> uh, so yeah, send us something to Matthew at gamebrainpod.com. Uh, you can also email directly through our website, gamebrainpod.com. Although I'm not sure you can attach things there. I think you actually need to maybe use your own email browser if you want to send me an attachment, but you don't have to. It could just be something writing. I'm leaving it up to you. Impress me. Win a hundred dollars. I will call up your local game shop and put a hundred dollar credit in your name. You can wait till your favorite games come out. You can go in there right now and spend it all at once. Whatever you want to do, three people are going to get a $100 game gift certificate to their favorite game shop. We are going to move into our section where we take calls from you. Calls. We take (laughs) emails from you, uh, and we are going to read them. It has a theme song. It goes something like this. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay. Which game should go? Which to play with mama, madame, abu? You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far. As my 50th player of Agricola. A million games. Show me the way to the master. The game sommelier. Thank you so much, Tom, for that. <laughs> that is endless enjoyment for me. Uh, our first comes from Liam. Is this Liam who makes our website? It might be. If this is Liam who makes our website, shout out to Liam. He's fantastic. You can find a link to his web design company. He make he designs websites. He will design yours. You'll get it at gamebrainpod.com. You'll see his little link on our page. Uh, Liam, if you're not a different if you're a different Liam. Well, hi, Liam. Here you go. I'm going to read your message. My office are discussing a bit of a change around to create some free space for no work and give us a chance to relax. One idea that was floated was to have a few board games in that area. What I wondered are what games would you recommend that could be seen as casual but act as a good barometer for if people in my office could get into heavier games? Mm. What kind of games would you put in an office space? That is interesting. Well, as a person who worked in an office space before, like... The game that uh, we had in our office, and it's not really a board game. It's it's like Jenga, but it's, it's called Kaplunk. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, a dexterity game, if you will. Exactly. Like that actually will gauge whether they want that type of competition or, yep. or not. Uh, and if you know, if they are, like you know, I would actually, and I hate to go back to this, but like I think Catan is always like the the thing to get people the the, the gateway game. Sure. That's good. But in terms of if we're talking about team building, right, which is something you often want to do in an office space, I think code names code names, is sure. great team building. It's, sure. it, will, it will foster uh, closeness with the people you mm-hmm. work with and understanding for the way their brain works. Code names is a team-based game sure. where you're trying to sort of guess what the other person mm-hmm. is communicating to you without actually communicating it to you. Um, like Decrypto, right? With that, with that one? Decrypto, that is sort of a, another version of that. I think Avalon would work well. Something that's Ab- just, you know, a fun uh, social game that you could do just standing around or walking around. Two Rooms in a Boom is another similar one like that. I, I, I've, I've 
brought Avalon to office spaces to play before. Well, and, there and, you and, go. And, and those people now play Avalon. Um, I think, you know, there's there's definitely like uh, card games work and you, know, you sit around mm-hmm. table playing cards. I mean, uh, Teach You would be a great sort of card game. It's a little complicated, mm-hmm. but it's it's a wonderful sort of version of Bridge to a certain extent. It's a trick-taking game, um, one that I could really recommend to anybody who likes card games. You know, I, I Me, mean, Quacks even. Quacks are not bad. Yeah, it's just some, I, when I'm thinking office, I'm not thinking like huge table space. Quacks is a little bit of a uh, table sure, hog. Sure, sure. It takes up some space. I'm thinking of things people can play pretty simply at a table. But yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, I think Res Arcana is a great mm. lunch game. I think office yeah, games exactly. are good lunchtime games. Exactly. You got 30 minutes. You want to just sit with somebody, throw some cards down, play some stuff, play a quick game. I think that's fantastic for that. Um, I think those are some good options yeah. there for you for your office situation. Uh, let's go to the next question. This is, uh, let's see, which one I'm going to pick here. I'm trying to get my wife's brother and sister-in-law, but so far they seem stuck on muggle games like Catan and Machi Koro. Muggle games. Muggle games. Harry Potter reference. I tried Pandemic, but I think they prefer more competitive games. What would you suggest I try next? Well, I would say Concordia. Um, Mm. I think Concordia is a fantastic step up from Catan or Machi Koro. I, I understand that... A lot of people are not. A lot of people love cooperative games like Pandemic because they necessarily not necessarily want that competitive feel. A lot of people are bored by that and want a competitive game. And I think uh, Concordia is a fantastic step up from that. Paul, what do you think? How about Burgundy? Castles of Burgundy is a fantastic yeah. game that is very similar to Catan in the yeah. sense that you're rolling a die and you're you're sort of uh banking on probabilities but there's a great engine building aspect to it great area control sort of well uh, tableau building Mm -hmm. game um one of my favorites great game that's a perfect example yeah concordia castles of burgundy are perfect actual games not for muggles uh, but 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 won't scare a muggle off and this might be a little too soon to suggest this but like it turns out i would say underwater cities could work too it's Accessible. Potentially, it's long. That's the only problem. It's it, you got to have people who are down for a three to four hour game. It's long. Yeah, but but the mechanics, I think, they're quite enjoyable. Yeah, it's not super complicated. I think that's a step. If you if they're into Concordia and they're into mm-hmm. Castles of Burgundy and they've to- and they're like, this is good. We want more. Absolutely, mm-hmm. terraforming Mars or Underwater City, something like that. That was from Dan Brewer. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. One, last one. Uh, this is also from a Dan, a Daniel. Hello, Matthew. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. I am looking for a game that me and my wife can play, preferably cooperative, but doesn't have to be. We are currently very close to going down the rabbit hole that is board games, having bought Pandemic for my birthday, and then taking it to the Maldives of all places to play it. Kind regards, Daniel. Daniel, I'm going to say something right now that might be controversial. Uh-oh. Why don't you all buy Gloomhaven? Damn. That's I'm a, saying it. That's, that's, a, that's a commitment. I think Gloomhaven is a wonderful so game significant other game i think it is a perfect game for that because you can play in an hour it's a wonderful cooperative experience with a little bit of storytelling involved in it it creates a fun theme but it's not like pandemic legacy where it's so connected each one it's not it's not it's like the pandemic legacy is like a season of television if, if, if you play three of them and put it away for a year you're not coming back to it mm-hmm. gloomhaven you can put away for a while sure take it away put it back the story is fun. It's always there's always something fun to do. What's fun about Gloomhaven is every time you sit down, you're thinking, "A, I'm gonna really have fun because all the scenarios are great, well designed, really fun." But also, like, I'm gonna be unlocking something. I think, or I'm gonna be opening something up. Or there's 
it's just this giant box of magical things that can be slowly opened up to you. Even if you're not opening up a new box, ooh, I can buy a new card that's going to change my... And your, your deck is so small that adding one card to it and removing one feels like a completely different game every time you play. It's just one of those games that's like a like a like a flower blooming and always opening up and showing you new exciting things. That's beautiful, man. Oh, thank you so much. But yeah, that's, you know, it's a hundred dollar game and it's a, a lot of commitment. Um, the organization of that game is no small feat, uh, figuring out where to put all those pieces. But I think, I think if, if, if your significant other is down for some sort of a, and it's a very original fantasy world. This is not Tolkien. This is not, you know, just typical elves and stuff. There's some cool original ideas here. It's a unique world. I think if, if if your SO is down for fantasy as a genre, as a concept, um, I think they could be super into Gloomhaven. Like it, it surprises me that there are people out there who have like, you know, just play board games with their spouses that are non competitive. I, I it's not my experience like, yeah. for, for my life. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people are tired at the end of the day and yeah, they, sure, they sure. don't want, you know, to I mean, and also, okay, if you're looking for just a great two-player competitive game, I mean, it's hard to do better than Race for the Galaxy. Oh, you know, yeah. It's a absolutely. card game, simple. You can pull it out in 20 seconds, but you won't ever really get bored of it. It's going to be different every time. It's a great engine builder. Um, those are great significant other games. I mean, obviously, Gloomhaven is a big thing, and it's a whole deal. Yeah. And it's going to take up your whole table and maybe your whole life for a while, uh, but it's you'll you're hard you'll be hard hard pressed to get a better return on your money than gloomhaven in terms of the hours of enjoyment you'll get out of it i mean that you know it'll take long it'll take 60 to yeah well sure it'll take 60 to 100 hours to get to the end of that game yeah easily um paul i think this was a really good episode thanks matt i think i think you did an amazing job can i ask you a question sure why did you want to go last now when we rolled for turn order at the beginning of the round so long ago we're talking two months ago episode Mm -hmm. one this is the end of our round you were the first person chosen i was wasn't i good memory and you chose to go last why well i was curious what everyone else would bring Mm. and you know and so I, i wanted to make sure i matched tone and blah 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 but basically, are you, are you metagaming our podcast? I'm always metagaming. <laughs> I'm always metagaming. Uh-oh. Uh oh. So, so th- th- there was some talk of like you know elimination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the most information here. I'm gonna. We and, were earlier. We talked about it being <laughs> almost <laughs> as a joke, but if we let people vote on their favorite episodes, <laughs> then you get kicked off the island. That's right. Fears gets the least. Can I? I'll just ask you right now, Paul. Favorite episode of this cycle? Round. Sorry. Favorite episode I of the see. round. I mean, if I had to pick. Yeah, just I, being honest. Just which one did you find yourself enjoying the most? I think Jesse's. Interesting. Like, I, 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 li- I like the... The analytical gamer. Yes, the analytical gamer. Why? why? Tell us why. Well, I think for me, I, I like hearing his backstory. Oh, we got, we got very uh, personal. Yeah. And we, we talked about our actual lives. And, and he talked about how, you know, the games, like, he, he played, you know, through... Uh, through history yeah with his, his father and his, his family yeah I, I would and i thought that was very interesting i think uh an insight into jesse for you i mean ultimately like i'm i'm here because i want to see people's souls i think <laughs> like like when, when i play for example like when i play Catan with my wife when i used to play Catan with because we don't play that much anymore yeah uh i would get her to the point where she could almost win and then she, her eyes would go black she'd turn to like a shark and you could you could hear the saliva building her in her mouth right. going like I'm going she was to, going I'm in going, for the kill i'm going to win i'm going to win and then taking that away from her and then and you know and then like risking divorce or whatever uh but you know i really like seeing that 
part of people like that the 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 underbelly and, you sure. know and, and over vulnerability perhaps and i think uh jesse showed more than i uh had known right and i and i, I like that amazing what about you matt what was my favorite episode? I mean, the first one was was great. It was just fun to to get it going and to mm-hmm. have everybody at the table. What's fun is this is the end of our round, and next week will be round two, turn one, and we're going to have everybody back at the table, or hopefully everybody, unless I think some people might be out of town. Maybe one person might be out of town. But if everybody is available and everybody's in town, we will just have a little 15-minute check-in with everybody, which sure. I think is fun to have the whole group there. Now that you all know us, now that you've spent an hour or two with each one of us and way too many hours with me, <laughs> you will get to, you know, you, you, here's our group again. We're going to say hi. Yep. We're going to talk about turn order. We have some thoughts on how we're going to deal with turn order for round two. We also will be announcing our theme for round two. That's right. Every oh. round from now on will have a theme. Ooh, in now which, because, you know, this so far, every, every episode of this round has just been an intro. an intro and then letting the person give you sort of their like we always do the 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 host uh the co-host specific segment so everybody's done their sort of 20 50 20 30 minute thing and and i wanted that to be sort of uh their what they want to talk about this first round right sort of an intro to who they are and what interests them but from now on you know i don't want every week to turn a thing over where you guys have to come up with some 30 minute ted talk so instead i'm gonna have a theme okay every round's gonna have a theme i will we will announce the theme of the next round uh, oh, I'm excited. Episode. I'm really excited. I think I already told you what it was. No. Uh, so that'll be fun. And I think that'll give sort of a uh, a framework for every round. So people sort of know what they're getting into. Of course, we'll always be reviewing exciting new fun games that you want to hear about, as well as giving you all the game news and everything. Um, the format will stay the same. So next week, we'll be back with turn two, round one. And um, thank you so much for being a part of this, Paul. Please join our Facebook group. Our Facebook group is awesome. You will find a link to our Facebook group at GameBrainPod.com. If you go to, I believe it is Get In Touch. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double check this right now because I want to make sure I'm saying it right. GameBrainPod.com. I'm going to it right now. I'm clicking on Get In Touch. And I see in the second sentence right there. You can also chat with your hosts and other listeners in the GameBrain Podcast face group. Click that link. Takes you right to our face group. Ask to be a member. That's just how Facebook works. We're not actually going to say no to anybody uh, unless you are a bot or there to advertise to us. That's sort of the reason Facebook has it, to make sure we're all real. And we didn't just create our accounts two days ago and have zero friends, in which case you're a bot and you are not a part of our group. So go to our Facebook group, join it up. Alfred, also known as Daedalus, a member of our group, has created an incredible playlist of songs for you i was trying to come up with the word bespoke it took me a second i just got it a bespoke playlist for our game group he's also working on other ones he has an 18xx specific game playlist alfred is an incredible musician with incredible taste and he's created a wonderful unobtrusive yet interesting mix if you go to spotify you will find this mix the mix is also on our website gamebreakpod.com go to uh, get in touch and and in alfred's little section you will see a link to his mix you've been listening to game brain produced and edited by matthew robbins and special thanks to Daedalus for incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com, where you can also find information on all of us, get in touch with all of our socials, t- communicate with us, follow us, whatever you want to do. You can reach me by email at Matthew at GameBrainPod.com. There are two T's in Matthew. That's also where you will be sending your contest uh, get up on entry it. into. That is exactly right. Or on Twitter, you can find me at GameBrain underscore pod or GameBrain at GameBrainPod on Instagram. Thanks for listening. And go play some games with friends or go make some friends with games.